episode of Block Talk, presented by Through the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. What you're about to listen to is part one of the Ultimate MCU Showdown, where we will rank all the MCU movies prior to Shang-Chi. This is one of many themed showdowns where we will try to discover the best of Disney drag and beyond. If you have a theme, category, or fandom you think deserves a showdown, be sure to hit me up. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, follow us on Twitter, and visit TheaterNow.com for those news, reviews, and interviews. From a playboy in an iron suit to an angry man that turns green, a space god with a hammer to a king of a secret African empire, space rebels with a cause to a doctor who learns magic, a pilot turned alien to a criminal turned mini heister, a kick-ass Russian spy to a lame-ass dude with a bow and arrow. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has dominated Hollywood and the world with two dozen blockbuster hits. But what MCU movie reigns supreme? It's time to find out in Block Talk's Ultimate MCU Movie Showdown. My panel and I have ranked all 24 entries and now we will debate the results as we reveal worst to first i've assembled a kick-ass team of heroes and villains i'll let you decide who is who joining me are carnage to carlo heidi ho hell of a time lexington banks and zach flick welcome that's us that's me um i'm excited to have you all here um we are we 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 all are from the queer community and we love Marvel and we're going to talk about 24 movies um, that really has shaped a lot of the world recently when it comes to at least mm-hmm, cinema mm-hmm. And, and how movies are made. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited to learn what brought you into the MCU. So before we dive into the 24 movies, I want to ask you all, what was your entry point into Marvel and the MCU? Um, Lexington, let's start with you. How did you fall for Marvel? I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like ever since I was young, I always like just really liked superheroes. And like it was always like the Captain America is like the Spider-Man's. It's never like the DC universe for some reason. Mm-hmm. I wasn't attracted to that. Um, but even like, I think once I started getting out like Hot Wheels and like horses, which is when I was when I was like really little, it went straight to like superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I was like eight. Was, like, nice. Yes. Hella, how about you? Yeah, uh, similar, I think. I remember having all of those like little uh, metallic figurines that like I think Walmart was selling and I had we had like Iron Man and this is before the movies so they I don't know why they picked the people that were ended up being in the movies but uh, <laughs> so they were priming you they were they were they were they were <laughs> we're not gonna get make jokes about that um so yeah no I they not were... grooming <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think the toys obviously I think all of our first cinematic entry into uh not the MCU, but Marvel in general, was Tobey Maguire's Oscar-winning performance as uh, Peter Parker. And <laughs> that... It, I feel like mine actually may have been X-Men. <laughs> oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. The and, movie uh, yeah, for the animated TV the show. The horrible X-Men, which I loved. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it yeah for, for me it was it was definitely the movie uh, uh the x-men and because i had the x-men cards i had the action figures um i remember like i had a group of um four other friends and we would play the uh x-men um uh arcade game uh, uh, and I, I was always Nightcrawler. I was Nightcrawler mm. in third grade for Halloween. We each got like were our person. Uh, so that was my entry. I was always an X-Men person. And then um, obviously watched the Tobey Maguire films. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than most of you. So when I got to um, college, that's around uh, like when I was ending college is when Iron Man came out. So I was too busy to really focus on the MCU. So I came back into it pretty late. But I've always had an affinity for um marvel zach what about you how did you get in yeah um i would say that i remember like really really young watching those like 90s uh like uh animated superhero cartoons the saturday Spider-Man. morning cartoons the saturday morning oh, yeah. cartoons like spider-man oh. x-men mm-hmm. more so spider-man than x-men and uh-huh. I would say, I know, I know, now I'm into X-Men more, but um, I would say that like after that, really it was the Tobey Maguire um, Spider-Man trilogy was really like my first entry point into like Marvel as films. Um, but I, I actually do remember seeing Iron Man in theaters. Like I, I and I, I also remember seeing Thor in theaters and kind of being like, this is kind of interesting. I think I liked the Spider-Man movies more than that, but this is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I, I very much was into like superheroes growing up and definitely like came in on the ground level of the MCU, I would say. Nice. Carnage, how about you? Uh, my entry level into Marvel in general is the X-Men who I love and adore so much. And I believe that my first introduction to any X-Men was Iceman, uh, because there was a show called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which Mm -hmm. is a cartoon and it starred... Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar, and I loved that show. I watched it religiously, uh, and it was like it was my soap opera. And I knew Iceman from the X-Men, and then I read more into X-Men, and I accumulated just a bunch of like X-Men things that I don't have anymore, unfortunately. And then the X-Men movies were coming out along the time I was growing up, and I even as a kid I watched these, going, "This isn't right." Um, and so uh, I, I was kind of disappointed in a lot of superhero movies at the time, which is uh, kind of disappointing because I loved superheroes so much. Superheroes were kind of my beacon of hope because I was a kid and like my life was already fucking depressing as it was. And so the X-Men were amazing to me. And then I never thought we would actually get any like good superhero movies. And I remember people were talking about superhero movies at the time on YouTube and on blog posts when those were a thing saying that like, oh yeah, superhero movies, they never work, do they? Uh, and then Captain America came out and obviously like the, the other movies came out before that, but I was never interested. I remember seeing the Iron Man, like Burger King commercials, <laughs> thinking that this is so stupid and I love them, but I had never seen the movie. And then Captain America was uh, an interesting case because I remember watching The Rocketeer, which is an old Disney movie, for those of you who don't know. Uh, and the same guy who did The Rocketeer did Captain America. And I'm like, this is this is for me. This is for me. I'm a slut for the 40s. I love this. And I, I was hooked immediately. And then the movie after that was The Avengers, which uh, my dad took me and my brother to go see in the theaters. No idea what was going on in terms of like everybody else's character. I'm like, Captain America, you're here. I love you. Hey. Where's Peggy? And Heidi, what, a, what about you? Peggy. <laughs> Um, I've been, a like a Marvel person since I was a child. I had older, uh, older brother, older siblings. Um, I had older cousins so that everyone was always into it. And I, I too was a sucker for the young animated cartoons. 
um as a kid growing up like i had them recorded on vhs's um and so i was the kid who downloaded illegally uh wallpapers for the x-men movie to my elementary school computer because i was so (laughs) excited that movies were gonna come like i've been waiting for these films for the ground up for sure but um they came out in a tumultuous time so like i didn't i did not follow along i didn't go to the theater religiously when everything was out there i also think i wasn't smart enough to know what they were doing. I don't think a lot of American public was smart enough to know what they were doing when they set up these films. But I do remember seeing Iron Man in high school and being like, that was different. That was that was like a movie. And it was also about a superhero. So it wasn't just this cheap gimmick of the things that we had gotten before, because I too had a lot of problems with what has come from the X-Men universe, like being such a fan, like I in, at church camp in high school, I was given like the X-Men Encyclopedia Award because I wouldn't shut up about the facts that I had about X-Men um, and those kinds of things. You you rely on these characters. They are your safe space and they are things that you love and you want to see that reflected on screen. So sometimes it's a hard battle between the fandom and what actually gets thrown up there. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that we have it for sure. It's it's expanded so much from just these little fringe comic books that we used to read or watch on Saturday mornings into things that everyone is talking about. You know, these straight guys at the bar are arguing about their their favorite Avenger and fuck them. (laughs) Yeah. I want to take a minute also and give a shout out. No one mentioned it, but does anyone remember the Fantastic Four movie? Oh, we're trying not to bring that one up. I thought (laughs) that's like like, my pleasure. I, I, for some reason, I love that movie. I know it's probably terrible, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, oh, this is really fun. I that was like, aside from Tobey Maguire's Spider Man, I I I really liked that one. It should have been amazing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, should have really. I remember yeah. those Burger King commercials too. <laughs> so and Burger we're gonna King do heavily this... influencing the universe. I see. It's true. Well, we're gonna we're gonna ask this ne- the next two questions more of a round robin. Um, but I want to ask who your favorite MCU character is, and I asked you all p- prior to the podcast to come up with an MCU inspired drag name. So this is the time we're gonna reveal it. Um, for me, I said I told everybody I was going to wear my favorite MCU character, and I am. Uh, Lexington got it right. It, it, it's Baby, Baby Groot. Groot. How could I not love Baby Groot? Um, I just like space babies. I don't know what it is about a space baby, but I just Baby Groot, Baby Yoda, uh, Grogu. I apologize. Um, I just, no one called yeah. space baby. Baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> so Baby Yoda um, is a favorite. Baby Groot. How could I not love him? The drag name that I came up with for the MCU was Tesseract. Very simple, very easy. Um, I also have a drag king for the M- MCU inspired. Oh, um, please good. welcome to the stage, Mark Scruffalo. <laughs> um, let's, I, I heard Carnage had a lot of options. So let's start with you. Who is your favorite? And let's hear the MCU inspired drag name. My favorite MCU character, and he's probably my favorite character in any superhero anything, is Peggy Carter. For a number of reasons, and her show okay. got canceled way too soon, and I know the bitch who canceled her show, and I'm looking for her in the parking lot constantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And the, and the drag name? My drag name was almost Peggy Carter, and then it was almost Dragnarok. Uh, I ultimately decided on Howard Duffa. Ah, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Heidi, your turn. 
Um, favorite characters, Hela. I think that when she showed up and rocked the Thor franchise, I was like, okay, this is amazing. Why don't we, why didn't we get this character through multiple films? Just such a shame. Um, and then the drag name, I thought of it today. I forgot that that was the assignment. So it's uh, Captain Homerica, Sybil Whore, of course. Welcome to the stage, Sybil Whore. Mm-hmm. Love it. Lexington? Um, my favorite character was... I really want to do an XM, you said I couldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it went to second best. And it's a tie between Shuri and uh, Loki. Just because Shuri is like Good choices. a little bit badass because she's a yeah. woman. And then Loki, I have a sucker for a villain. And he's like a villain, but like also not. Like that would be me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I also didn't realize that you're supposed to come up with drag names, but. Um, Listen, Black Widow's already a drag name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. The shade who's already around. So, like, let's just go with shade because that seems like a fitting one for me as well. Shade. Sure, sure, sure. Zach, your turn. All right. So, I would say my favorite MCU character is uh, would have to be Wanda Maximoff, and uh, inspired by my favorite MCU character. Please welcome to the stage the Scarlet Bitch herself, Wanda Jackamoff. Mm. There we go. That was very, very good. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Scarlet Bay. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> yeah. And Hella. Um, so, yeah, you denied me my true love, which is Hank McCoy. Uh, <laughs> hence the blue hair tonight. Yeah, definitely. Hence the, I tried to put a picture, a sexy picture of it all, but it just looked like I was putting porn up. So I decided, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. In the spirit of that, my favorite, well, okay, my first, my favorite MCU character is Vision. Um, and especially after, I know we're not going to talk about the shows, but <laughs> after WandaVision, um, I think they really brought a lot of depth to the character that we didn't see unless you like. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Um, okay, but my drag name in the spirit of my true favorite Marvel character is Yank Macock. Uh yes, yep, yep, there we go. Yep, yep, love it. Smart Listen, and I, like, strong. <laughs> listeners, listeners, ask my uh, my Avengers here if they can borrow these names. You could be a drag king or queen with these names, and you could have an entire Avengers show. Like this, sure could. let's talk price. This is gonna be amazing. Um, I will show up and do the show. We need money too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, let's of, change of course, our names like, for a day. I, I've I've heard we love Mar uh, X Men, so I have a feeling maybe we'll go, come back and do a showdown and round ta- table about X Men. Oh yeah, if you well want me to yell point. at some bitches? You do just solo <laughs> X Men. Like I'm going to try to stay quiet and be reasonable to your opinions because they matter. <laughs> but yeah. you guys actually really all like X Men. And really quick shout out: there's a really fantastic another podcast that's a really fantastic. It's like a queer focused X Men podcast. Mm-hmm. It's called Cerebro, and every episode is about a different X Men. Oh, I'm Right Very back cool. down. That's amazing to know. Cross so plugs. we are here for the MCU, the 24 movies. And this is just a little blurb I'm going to read out for you, for the listeners, so everyone is on the same page of what we're here to do tonight. The movies entered into this showdown come from the 24 Kevin Feige produced Marvel movies that began with Iron Man in 2008 through Black Widow in 2021. This will not include unofficial MC movies like the X-Men movies, the two Spider-Man franchises, Fantastic Four, or any of the upcoming entries that will be released this year. 
We are also not including any of the Disney Plus series or any of the other streaming series. While y'all can debate the choice, this is the cleanest way to do this particular showdown. There will be a time for those battles at another point. Um, Because what do we love? Content, and we need it. So we're going to try to make this as clean as possible. um, And we're going to each, we'll have a speaking order of how um, we're going to do things. it is calculated um, because almost everybody will be able to talk about their number one when we get to their movie. Okay. Uh, there's a tie for what? one of them. So, so one person is okay. not going to get to talk about their movie, but what How that may you? give you a clue of where things will last <laughs> and land later on. Um, so are we ready to find out what the worst MCU movie is? Bring it, it on. It better be what I think it is. <laughs> All right. Coming in, released on June 13th, 2008 from Phase One, yeah. starring Edward Norton. Uh-huh. It is The Incredible Hulk. Um, in this new beginning, scientist Bruce Banner desperately hunts for a, cute, uh, for a cure to the gamma radiation that poisoned his cells <laughs> and unleashed the unbridled force of rage within him, Hulk. I'd Living rather- in the shadows cut living in the shadows cut off from a life he knew and the woman he loves betty ross banner struggles to avoid the obsessive pursuit of his nemesis general thunderbolt ross and the military machinery that seeks to capture him and brutally exploit his power uh as all three grapple with the secrets that led to hulk's creation they are confronted with a monstrous new adversary known as the abomination whose destructive strength exceeds even hulk's own one scientist must make an agonizing final choice accept a peaceful life as bruce banner or find heroism in the creature he holds inside the incredible hulk so i'm going to be doing all of uh these little uh synopsises that i pulled from the marvel wiki so that Wiki is going to be longer than what we have to say about the film itself. <laughs> That's fair. Most um, of the podcast is going to be the synopsis. So basically, this was the worst ranked uh, movie for myself, Lexington, uh, Carnage, and Heidi. Hella and Zach had it at 23. So you had a little more had faith one in this up. movie. Yeah. I forgot um, that so, it existed. It was my 24 until Michael reminded me about Hulk and I said, oh, I fell asleep during that one. I didn't. I'm so sorry. That doesn't count. It's Edward Norton. He quit. So bad. So, so it went to 24. You know? He didn't quit. Well, one of my favorite so, uh, things ever on the internet is uh, during Endgame, all the casts were on like Jimmy Kimmel or something and they were given a task to put all of the MCU movies in order. In court, according to release, I saw this little flashcards, and Scarlett Johansson is looking through them, and then she goes, "Who put the fucking Edward Norton movie in here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, good girl. All right, so the person who's going to kick us off talking about the Incredible Hulk is Zach. <laughs> oh great! So I have to defend my choice to not rank it last. No, right. it's fine. Basically, it's, you just put it one up everyone else. I understand. Um, I I feel like this movie is, I feel like the reason it ranks so low for me, at least, is not even necessarily that it's like a horrible movie. It's that it feels like it's actually still a part of like the earlier Marvel stuff. Like to me, it feels more at peace with something like um, Fantastic Four Mm -hmm. or like the Ang Lee Hulk movie that came out beforehand. Like I always forget that it's actually a part of the MCU. 
Um, to me, it, it just doesn't feel like it's of the same tone, content, all of that. I actually don't think it's like a horrible, horrible movie. Um, I would personally rank it as an actual movie above what I did put as my 24th choice, which I won't say right now. Um, but it's just, it's so forgettable and it really just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's in the MCU. Like it, it just really ends up feeling like a totally different thing. Um, I just feel like I couldn't rank it 100% at the bottom for that reason. Cause I did feel like my 24th ranked film is a worse film. Okay. Fair. I so can't like person... know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Next person will be me. Um, I did not see this Incredible Hulk originally when it came out. Um, I, I did see the Eric Mana version. And I was like, I don't like the Hulk. I'm never like related to the character. Um, so when this movie came out, um, I was like, I'm going to pass. Not for me. And yeah, it's just, there, there's no heart to the movie for me. Um, Edward Norton is kind of hard to watch. And then unfortunately she's one of the worst actresses Liv Tyler is boring as all hell oh my god there's no connection between the two of them so there's why do we care about this romance she's so boring um, I forgot it was her in the movie I was like oh and Jessica Biel was in that one and they're like no that's it was nope. Liv Tyler I'm like oh yeah um, I yeah I do A-O-N. have some <laughs> I do have uh some uh, for each of the movies, the earnings and oh, uh, the critical responses. Uh, so this movie earned uh, 263.4 million worldwide. It was given a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 6.2 out of 10 on 238 reviews. Too high. So not so great. One of the lower ranked in, uh, MCU movies. Hella, your turn. What do you? How do you feel yeah, about the like, incredible? I'm gonna, back up, I'm gonna back up Zach here because I didn't rank this at at, at 20, 24th either, and we just private message, and we probably all know what the twenty fourth ranking was on both of our lists, but because it was probably all of your twenty thirds. But uh, <laughs> but I just think like without revealing my twenty fourth, similar to what Zach said. You know, I love I love the character of the Hulk in terms of in in the Marvel world. I used to play um, HeroScape. And we bought the Marvel expansion pack, which is like this sort of mm. dumbed down D and D um, version of a tabletop game. Um, and I, you know, I just really loved the character. And I remember watching this movie when it pretty close after when it came out. And I thought it just felt it felt very DC to me. It felt like a DC film where it was like, let's have the end of the world scenario with the other really big Hulk that's abomination and they have the same strengths and powers and they're just gonna, it's like Batman versus Superman, just better. Uh, sorry, Batman v Superman. Um, that was intentional. Hyphen underscore Donna Justice. Supposed to be a court case. Sorry, we're not in the DC. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I, just, I just felt like it was, like everyone has said already, it didn't really fit. It's interesting because it came out when it did, so we didn't know what it didn't fit. But now looking back, we in see- hindsight, yeah didn't really fit the marvel theme um and the, the act, actors are boring like i didn't you just said Liv tyler and i was like oh well, i forgot she was in that and also she's kind of boring in lord of the rings too let's be honest yes, she really boring but anyway i mean william hurt really is the only one who has gone on to go to be in any other mcu movie from this film so 
Well, so actually, the character is important. On that point, um, I do know that what's his face who played Abomination will be back in. Right, Shield. he's supposed. Right, yeah. He, so oh, they yeah. are starting to bring more people back in. So anyway, all in all, it just felt like we were trying to have monsters fight each other with no real story, which that for me is always going to be low on the list. So, Lexington, what do you feel? I agree. I did not a fan. I didn't like him when I first saw it. <laughs> I still don't like it now. <laughs> so we are putting him at the bottom. Um, yeah. Currently, could not remember like the storyline, but I know it was bad. <laughs> and my feelings towards it were not great. <laughs> not great at all. Heidi? I'd rather watch the Ang Lee one where he fights that like poodle or whatever. You know, the dogs. <laughs> And he's like fighting a gas bubble at the end of that one too. It's not even both. Yeah, I, I feel like they almost fucked it up because they did such a something different when they released Iron Man and then to follow it up with this right away was like, no, you're about to do something really cool. Don't revert back to old standards and do it. And you, I think that's probably why I, uh, I started dismissing the other things coming out because I didn't see Thor until after I saw Avengers because I was like I saw Iron Man I saw Hulk and I was like this sucks <laughs> I was like Iron Man was cool Hulk is not I'll catch you later I got I got work to do and then once Avengers came out I was like they put this together over a course of years like it's almost like they had a really a, a really faulty nut or bolt in the mechanism with the movie so it's not a good it's not good for a revisit it's not good for a rewatch. <laughs> Not good for a first watch. <laughs> um, but understandably, I was going to rank another movie 24th. As soon as I started my list, there was definitely another movie in spot 24. And I put this one right at just the bottom and slid everything up. I feel like my 23 is much different than all of yours. <laughs> I can't wait. That's what I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Carnage, close us out on The Incredible Hulk. I actually... Uh, do remember a lot of this movie and the reason for that being because I of the aforementioned Scarlett Johansson I went to go back and watch it just because of what she said I just I'm like it was this as bad as I thought it was and it's not um it's just boring more than than anything else but I sat down and watched it and I will say I will give it credit where credit is due I really like that in people's minds superhero movies were still these types of superhero movies I didn't even know what was going to and we're still uh, kind of new to people. So taking the uh, premise and somewhat of the ending of the Ang Lee Hulk and making that the prelude to uh, this movie, the little flashes that they had at the beginning, that's cool. I like that, even though they're not in the same universe. But kind of like letting people know it's like, yeah, we know how you know this character and like here's our take on it. And then their take on it was shit. Uh, it was uh, interesting at the end of the movie when... Um, Tony is shows up at the end and we're like, holy shit, wait, they're actually connected. Are they actually doing this? Yeah. And there have been times before where like superhero movies or even just like movies in general have like teased sequels or spinoffs or things like that. And they didn't go through and we had no idea what was about to happen in uh, after Iron Man with the Nick Fury thing. And then we saw Tony's cameo at the end. I'm like, wait a minute, it's happening. So there was promise. Uh, so I like the beginning of the movie and I like the end. Right, that's fair. Watched it recently. Was the CGI just like horrible? It's not horrible. The thing about it is that CGI is always just gonna like just fall victim to circumstance because of the time that it's in. It looks fine. I don't like the color of. Yeah, 
it's not great because it, it, i again i i recently did do the binge um like oh, two weeks ago and yeah it, it's not a great movie and it, it, there's a reason why we all have it as either the last or second to last but well, ready for number 23 yes yes number 23 from phase two released on november 8th 2013 it is <laughs> thor the dark world yes um thor fights, <laughs> thor fights to restore order across the cosmos but an ancient race led by the vengeful Melkith returns to plunge the universe back into darkness faced with an enemy that even odin and asgard cannot withstand thor must embark on his most perilous and personal journey yet one that will reunite him with jane foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all Echo i kicked this one off I kicked this one off, and um, again, if The Incredible Hulk wasn't there, this movie would have been dead last. Um, as I mentioned in the uh, Roundtable podcast, I feel like Thor has the most confusing arc out of anyone in the MCU, just tonally, because we go from this Shakespearean version when you have Kenneth Branagh um, directing, then you have this version, and then Taika Waititi like, makes him fat and, and makes him crazy, and there's no cohesion with Thor, but this movie just stands out like a sore thumb because it is heavy and dark. And um, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't stand it. I, I couldn't it watching this. This was the moment um, where I almost was like, maybe I'll take a pause from the MCU watch because it just was not great. Um, this movie, uh, $644.8 million. 66% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 6.2 out of 10 based on eight, 282 reviews, which is actually lower than The Incredible Hulk. Well, rightfully so. Hella, your turn. What do you think? Yeah, this was number 24 on the list for me. Um, this, this movie, I actually did not watch it until I recently did the binge with my roommate who had never seen anything because when it came out, I was in college and so I had heard from someone that I trusted that it was terrible. And I really liked Thor 1, personally. Um, I felt that it was fun. It also was a formative thing in my sexuality, probably. And uh, and and so I just like didn't want to taint that. And so I decided not to see it. And then I just never saw it. And I realized I didn't need to see it because truthfully, um, I watched it recently and it's pathetic. Uh, it is, It has literally no life to it. Um, the Dark Elves as villains are probably the most boring shit, knockoff Lord of the Rings bullshit I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, they, the whole storyline of having like Jane be possessed by this cloud that ends up being an infinity stone. Like, I'm sorry, whoever wrote this, if it was a team of people, y'all should be fired. Like, I think that's it. the cruelest part it was of the a whole team. thing. It was a team. Is that they're like, oh, and now we're going to make you care about one of our worst movies by being like, one of those stones, it was in Thor 2. And we're like, no, not that one. Like, it was it was mean. And I also think it was reaching. I think like it was after the fact, like, what what were the Infinity Stones? That stuff. Right. right. So all in all, I just like I watched that movie probably like two months ago. And I was like, I wish I had two and a half hours of my life back. (laughs) Lexington, how do you feel? 
because you were the highest on this one. You were not uh, 23 or 24 on this. You had it at 19. I believe in the 20. <laughs> oh, wow. You, it's because you hated other movies a lot and forgot about this I, one, right? I, never, I also, like, I didn't think it was that, like, yes, it's, like, dark and, like, heavy, but, like, I didn't mind it. Like, it was fun <laughs> for me. I don't know. Um, but also, again, Loki being one of my favorite characters, whenever he's there, I'm like, I love this. And I also love that Thor is just, like, a god. <laughs> Literally. So it's like, I, I love whenever it's, like, a little, like, extra show, like, like powers for, like, no reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it wasn't really that. Like, I get where you're coming from <laughs> but I think it was like that bad <laughs> like there's definitely some that have underwear I'm like I can't stand to watch that again like this one I could definitely rewatch, which okay. I definitely it's a stain and you can't get it out with bleach <laughs> <laughs> Heidi your thoughts you know Kat Dennings is such a treat for most times when she appears on the screen I like there's a moment where she's like falling from gravity to one point to another or something. And that's my take on that movie, other than what I said before, as that it was cruel that they tried to make it important because I did not think I thought it was all over the place. It just didn't seem like a, it really fit. But now that see, now I'm tempted to give it a rewatch because of Lexington. And I think that it's <laughs> probably. <so> <laughs> I know. But go poor, poor, poor Renee Russo coming back to movies, and this is what they put her back in, and her her biggest Marvel moment. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. What? Mama. Oh, his mom. Yes. Carnage. What? How do you feel about Thor: The Dark World? The first time I watched this, it wasn't in theaters. I watched it uh, like I think it was on TV. The first time I watched it and like the movie started, I'm like, oh wait, the brightness is off on my TV. I gotta no, oh no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yes. Going to the dark world is indicative of a theme. I mean, it's, no, it, it, the movie this this was a weird time where the MCU just got off of Avengers and off of uh, Phase One, and they all the movies at the time that were coming out that were sequels to um of other franchises we're going in the darker direction. The only issue is that uh, this one is dark, but it's not interesting and it's not, it's dark and it's not interesting and it's not even cool. Um, whereas like Captain America, the Winter Soldier is dark, but it's cool. And this is kind of going in the direction of, okay, so we did this Shakespearean uh, take on Thor, which was, I think was a good idea in theory. And then they took it to, it's like, but now we're gonna explore more into like this Norse mythology that we have set up already uh, and go to cool places. And these cool places were like, they, they looked like the Lion King in the new version. Like they made Africa look like shit, it was gross. Uh, and I think also around this time, they. They were still trying to figure out what Thor is, and I think they haven't quite figured out how to give him the spotlight and sort of have him sort of carry a movie on his own. Uh, they figured that out later, but they still were figuring it out as they were writing and making the movie, and that's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, the, the the one positive thing for me that was that we did lose Matt Dallas in exchange for Zachary Levi, who then realized, well, this is a shitty um, superhero movie. I'm going to go do Shazam. And spoiler alert, Shazam's my number one DCEU movie because well, fucking that was incredible. Actually, uh, Josh oh, Dallas. okay, gotcha. Josh Dallas. Oh, of course, I'm this is also Josh Dallas coming back. 
ever since like Once Upon a Time ended, like I need Josh Dallas and like something else because like he, I like the in the first Yeah. Movie. Uh, Zach, wrap us up on The Dark World because you also uh, had it one spot in the, yeah. the right spot, but yeah. higher yeah. than the rest of us. So I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> um, I just think it is, it's boring. When everyone keeps saying it's dark, it's because it's literally physically dark on the screen. Like yeah. there's nothing yeah. actually dark about the writing. Um, they took Malekith, who actually happens to be a really interesting and great villain in the comics and like totally made him have no personality, just be like completely like mindless, like I'm a villain and I'm going to go do this thing. Um, and I think the thing about the first Thor, here's, here's my thought about Thor as a character. I feel like Thor as a character, when you have it just being the gimmick of like ye old God that is out of touch in the modern world, doesn't really work because there's really not much to the character besides there. And so I feel like the character of Thor didn't really start to click, at least in the MCU, until Ragnarok because they actually decided to give him a personality outside of I'm displaced, like I'm like out of time. Um, But the thing that works about the first movie is that with the whole Loki situation and Odin and the way that they frame it as more of like a Shakespearean like uh, tragedy kind of situation, it just works tonally and the other characters really uplift and support that. The whole movie was basically Thor. Loki gets killed off halfway through um, so you lose Loki halfway through it. Um, they prop the entire thing up on Jane Foster and their like non-existent chemistry. And the the act three battle is probably one of the worst filmed, like most anticlimactic. Like they're gonna, you're gonna have a a, a battle, like you're gonna have a film about like the war on the nine realms and you ended in London. Like really, like that's the great creative decision that you're felt that you decided. Um, and I think it really goes to show that this movie was so bad that it basically force ejected Natalie Portman out of the MCU until Taika Waititi was able to bring her back. Um, and most likely had the Thor franchise continued the way it was going. Um, there's no way that Chris Hemsworth would still be in the MCU right now. So bad movie. I'm sorry, Lexington. Um, I, I, here's the thing. I agree. Kat Dennings is fun in it. I do happen to like Loki stuff in it. And especially considering how the stuff with his mom and all of that really ties into Loki, the show and is a really important thing in his, um, character. I really do actually like those parts in the movie, but I feel like Loki is in the film, like Loki's really not in the movie at all and plays such a minor role where he kind of comes in in the jail cell and then they like break him out and then he dies immediately afterwards that it just feels like that one little section of the movie is really cool and interesting. And then the rest of it is boring and listless and sucks. That's fair. All right. Number 22. And now this is where we are going to start to diverge a lot in our rankings, but four people did have it at the right spot at number 22. It is back in phase one. Iron Man 2, released on May 7th, 2010. Thank you. (laughs) With the world now aware that he is Iron Man, billionaire inventor Tony Stark faces pressure from all sides to share his technology with the military. He is reluctant to divulge the secrets of his armored suit, fearing the information will fall into the wrong hands. With Pepper Potts and Rhodey Rhodes by his side, Tony must forge new alliances and confront a powerful new enemy. Mickey Rourke. (laughs) 
<laughs> he were having a horrible Russian accent. Yeah. And he tried. He's, I think he was like, really like, this is going to be it for me. I'm going to become a new thing and they're going to love me in superhero <laughs> movies. I first knew that I might be kinky because of that movie. So fuck you. OK, well, no, the, <laughs> I like his electric wits. <laughs> well, I think on. the weapon is let, cool. Hello, let, let's hear it from you. What, what do you think about Iron Man 2? Well, I had Iron Man 2 ranked at 19 looking at my own records here. Okay. Uh, so. Am I allowed to divulge what I had at 22 since it relates to this? Um, let me, let me double check. Yeah, you can. Okay. I had Iron Man 3. These these were swapped for me. I don't know where y'all had Iron Man 3 at, but I, I don't feel like I can talk about why <laughs> my Iron Man 2 is at 19 unless I talk about why my Iron Man 3 was at 22. So I feel like when you look at these two movies objectively, you were coming out of... the Iron Man 2 came out when you were coming out of Iron Man 1, which we can all say was objectively a, a large success. It was Robert Downey Jr. sort of like return to movies, you know, from from like dismalness. And I felt when I thought about this and I felt like, okay, how did I feel inside? Man, and honestly, this this changes because I was older when I watched Iron Man 3 than I was in Iron Man 2. But Iron Man 3, I don't know why, but it just, I hated this. And I know it's in the comics, but I hate this idea of all of these suits that are e- like easily destructible let's be real because they all get fucked up at that fucking last fight scene um and it just to me it sort of cheapened this idea that like this was the person in the suit that did the thing and at least in iron man 2 we sort of saw i actually sort of liked the storyline with uh with uh mickey rourke's character and the sort of like uh, this paternal daddy issue moment um because I'm sure everyone on this call can hard relate. And, uh, you know, I sort of like the idea that like, you know, someone could sort of take these things and make this badass altercation of this suit and fuck Iron Man up. Like he gets fucked up in that final scene. Like watch it, it's short, he does eventually win, but he gets some whips to the fucking grill. And I don't know, I'm here for the grittiness of that more so than the sort of the whole vibe of Iron Man 3. So anyway, that's why I had Iron Man 2, uh, or sorry, Iron Man 2 at, at 19 as opposed to 20. They're still low on the list, folks. Both movies, sub, late teens, early 20s. So that's all I got. Lexington, I what's your thought, I think? So I got Iron Man 2 in the right spot at 22, but it's only because Iron Man 3 was number 23 for me. Oh, <laughs> okay. You don't like <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> Um, very similar. I also just have a very, like, visceral reaction to Tony Stark. I don't like him. Um, like, at all. <laughs> There's something, like, for me, I also, like, I don't like superheroes that don't have superpowers. Going back to why Thor You like Batman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally hate Batman. Where's Rachel? And, like, this like you being a genius, but also being so stupid at the same time, like, it doesn't make sense to me. And so I just respond very poorly to Iron Man in general, which is why they're so low. <laughs> That's just like celebrate. I'm just, like, I'm just saying yeah. Iron Man in general. Does also like celebrite like billionaires, white supremacy. Yes. Yeah. It's very, he's like, an arms dealer, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's exactly. It's like literally you're because you're rich. But also I, I don't understand how like, I there's just someone I don't get about him that I don't like, <laughs> you know? Like he's just like mm-hmm. statistical and like it just doesn't work for him, in my opinion. 
Any stupid. Um, I think that the good thing about Iron Man 2 that justifies it being there at all is that they introduced Black Widow to the universe. And also I, <laughs> I don't think that that is... <laughs> right, also doesn't have superpowers. And I don't, think, I don't think that they ever really correctly utilized her as a character when I think they're like, and girls fall in love. So which one of our boys does she fall in love with? And I'm like, she's an assassin. She has no emotion. Like, come on. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a movie and it's in the universe. And Mickey Rourke does some cool shit. And I like that whole like uh, race car sequence. I love that one. The race car sequence is cool. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good can, sequence. Can we just preface the rest of these by saying early Marvel Cinematic Universe is wrought with misogyny and and glorifying billionaires and like yes. men and... that's why they're all lower right <laughs> well i mean we hate they're, they're they're going they're going off of a lot of the origin stories and yeah. the origin stories were made in a time when that's what boys wanted to read i guess mm-hmm. carnage how did you feel about iron man 2 i mean they're all kind of interchangeable to me i'm being quite honest uh this one in particular is the lowest for me only because I don't I don't really like Tony as a character and uh, I don't really enjoy seeing him not go anywhere on any kind of journey uh, in this movie. Uh, he's, he's just kind of samey samey to me. Uh, and the, the this I this idea that Oh, like the arc arc reactor saved my life. Oh, but now it's killing me. It's like, well, but why? why? <laughs> but why? Um, I don't know. I, I feel kind of contrived to me. And like, Paul, the, re- the real reason why I put this down here is because I feel like this movie was made in response to uh, The Incredible Hulk because Iron Man came out. It was a success. Everyone loved it. And then the Hulk came out and people were like, no, we don't want that. And they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait. No, 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 no. Do here, it again. Here. Yeah. Tony's back. Here, he, he's here. Like, yep. calm down. And he didn't calm down. He didn't. This, this was kind of like a blue form perception when this movie came out as well and uh now that i think about it like the mcu was kind of like it did have a rocky start after uh, iron man people like, like oh my god like this is the greatest thing ever and like it is but it didn't start out that way um, are we allowed to push back if it's weird are we just like saving that for sure i mean you can you can the only part of that i wanted to push back on was i actually liked the storyline of the um the arc reactor being like threatening to his life because i think it sort of amplified he did not have the resources that he would have had in his own lab to make it the way that it would be sustainable. And this thing that he made that did save his life is not long-term. And it also gives us that thing that we see the plaque that says Tony has a heart, which we all know at the end of all of this, we cried because we saw that shit on a plaque and it was. I I did. Well, you're, (laughs) you're a monster. (laughs) Sorry, Zach. I just want to put my yeah. in there. Um, I'm actually going to uh, talk about the movie, but actually I want to respond to another thing that Carter said uh, really quickly about like the Rocky start. I may have like, maybe I have a different opinion than a lot of people, or maybe it's like an unpopular opinion. I personally think that the MCU really didn't find its footing until phase three. I personally oh, wow. find that they had like high moments oh, throughout wow. the first two phases sure. of like individually good films, but that the storytelling was really rocky, rocky until that moment. And I actually don't really find 
until they hit phase three that they had like consistently good movies one after another. Um, that's like kind of, I just, I thought that was interesting that you were like, it's actually like looking back on it, like it was really rocky. And I personally feel like it was rocky even further, like really until, until you hit like civil war. Basically. Yeah. These next couple of placements, I can't wait to see, cause I have some opinions about phase two as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like phase two had some really high highs and some really low lows. Low so, yeah. Lows. Yeah. Um, I feel like to me, the only redeeming part of Iron Man 2 is uh, Sam Rockwell's performance as Justin Hammer. Um, frankly, I feel like they could have made the whole movie around uh, Hammer being the main antagonist and it would have been like 10 times more interesting and better. Um, he gives a great performance and I really hope he's back for Armor Wars. Um, other than that, I just kind of find it pretty forgettable. I tend to find uh, Tony as a character more interesting when he's like when there's when it leans into a little bit more of like his alcoholism and his abandonment issues and where he is like a darker more troubled character and i actually find that iron man 2 as a film leaned more into like the lighthearted quippiness um of the character and i even though it has him trying to like restart his heart and doing all of those different things I feel like to me if you're looking at like Iron Man 2 versus Iron Man 3 I feel like Iron Man 3 more successfully deals with those themes and has like a much more interesting arc for Tony to me it feels like he's really treading water in Iron Man 2 and so I feel like the the character doesn't really go anywhere throughout the film um, aside from like solving this immediate crisis that he's in Um, and the other thing I actually think uh, it's actually I think it was Heidi who it was either Heidi or, or Hella um, who said that one of the pluses that they felt was the fact that it introduced Black Widow. And I actually feel like that's one of the minuses of the film because it feels like this was the, not that they introduced her, but it feels like one of my issues with the film personally is that it feels like half of the project is a Tony specific project and half of the project is set up for Avengers and other films down the line. Yeah. And I feel like they have walked that line as a film much more successfully later on. Whereas it, they, to me, they feel like two totally different projects at war with each other in the same movie. And so I feel like all of the stuff with Widow and Nick Fury and that kind of stuff, it doesn't really mesh up well with the, Tony's own story going on in the movie. So I actually feel like that is actually a detriment to the film. Oh, yeah, it feels like, totally. I hear you. Um, yeah, if, to me, it feels like what they did. And like, oh, I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention this and see what I'm ever going to mention it. In Fantastic Four, The Silver Surfer, when Galactus was <laughs> that not movie. in the movie, but he kind of was in the movie, but he wasn't in the movie. Black Widow's cameo in that movie felt like that to me. Yeah, like, I agree. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to make you excited for Clayface. That ended up not being the case. That's what it felt like. So I'm going to shock everyone here and reveal that I had Iron Man 2 at number 13. I do enjoy Iron Man as a character. um, And I did like this movie. Um, So when I was younger with going into Marvel, um, I enjoyed the band Wings. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the band Wings, um, Paul McCartney's uh, second yeah. band, uh, but they had a song called uh, Magneto and Titanium Man. And technically, Whiplash is a combination of Whiplash and Titanium Man. So I was excited to see that come into the MCU. Um, but as Zach said, it's Sam Rockwell. Justin Hammer is such a fun character, and he is really, really underutilized because he has to share um uh 
the 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 scene with um, Nikki Work. But the other thing that this movie did introduce and no one mentioned is for you because you're recent. <laughs> the other thing that we're introduced is there's no more Terrence Howard. We have Don Cheadle, uh, which does change a lot because I think he is yeah. a very very good actor and a great. Um, He's a great movie. actor. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was a positive to this movie. Is it? One of is it one that I'm going to go back and watch again? Probably not, but um, as you will learn through my rankings, if there's humor, I'm going to be more inclined to enjoy it. Oh, okay, good <laughs> to know. Yeah, so let's move on to number 21 and come on, let's talk more Tony Stark. It's Iron Man 3. Um, oh, wow, guys, okay, May 3rd, 2013. Um Iron Man 3 pits brash but brilliant industrious Tony Stark Iron Man against an enemy whose reach knows no bounds. When Stark finds his personal world destroyed at his enemy's hands, he embarks on a harrowing quest to find those responsible. This journey at every turn will test his mettle. With his back against the wall, Stark is left to survive by his own devices, relying on his ingenuity and instincts to protect those closest to him. As he fights his way back, Stark discovers the answer to the question that has secretly haunted him. Does the man make the suit or does the suit make the man? Lexington, what is the answer? Couldn't care less. <laughs> really, just I, I really, I, the amount of times I want him to like actually die in the movies is absurd. I'm always I hope you're actually dead. Endgame like, is totally your favorite. I get it. I, <laughs> I, I really thought he was dead in Infinity War, and I was very shocked that he lived through that stab wound. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense though, right? It very much does. Um, again, they all, all the Iron Man's kind of blur together for me. I would rewatch them, but I really don't care. <laughs> um, he just no, <laughs> just give me a no from me all, all across the board. Um, I did have this at twenty three though, so it was a little bit lower. Um, but at twenty one, <laughs> which you guys are gonna like, I had the first Iron Man, so we just had a nice row of them. You're just like all the Iron yeah, Man's there. All the Iron Man. That's also probably why Thor was so high. <laughs> but you know, it's a good character thing. Like I, I just like Thor a lot more than Iron Man because, as as I said before, he's horrible. Heidi, how um, do you feel about number three? Uh, we get Gwyneth in the suit in three, do we not? Yeah, yes. I think that's, I mean, I'm so like, I mean, she's Gwyneth, but still, I'm so like, women empowerment, get these women in the superheroes. They should all, why did not, also, why didn't Black Widow get her own movie early on if she's going to be a main character? Like, that was part of the whole problem of of all these characters being based so From much on misogyny. Um, but I love, I love all the expendable suits being like cannon fodder and I like uh, yeah I like Gwyneth in the suit that was a cool moment and then Carnage that's the end (laughs) Carnage your feelings this ranks higher for me just because there are cool moments in this movie going back okay it's like here's the thing same reason why I don't give a shit about Stranger Things or any other uh, movie or TV show that stars kids, I don't think kids should be in movies. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So you really didn't like the Iron Boy situation going on then. Here's the thing, going back and watching it, I don't hate them. I think there are some funny moments with him, actually, and I kind of enjoy him. Okay. Uh, and... <laughs> 
in the suit. I like seeing I like seeing Pepper in uh, her own suit, and I love that. You know, later on in the franchise, and like her as a person, it's like okay, you're really trying. You just like love the brand, but you in the movies, I like you. And there's a, a but like also, uh, if she she kind of just elevates the movie for me a little bit, just because I do like her character, and also I love another favorite internet thing where she's with John Pepperow on her show, and then she completely forgets that she was in Spider Man. <laughs> He goes, yeah, you were in Spider-Man. He goes, I was in Spider-Man? He goes, yeah, you were in Spider-Man. He goes, no, I wasn't. He goes, yeah, you were. We were both in it. <laughs> Classic. Zach. I'm going to shock everyone. Um, Iron Man 3 was my 14th ranked movie. Jesus Christ. I will preface this by saying, as in contrast to Lexington, I was more ranking on what I perceived to be like the quality of the film as opposed to how much I like the character. It's 17 so, for me. That's a lot higher up than it is here, Yeah. Right? Okay, you know. well, that's good to know. Um, I personally, I really like Iron Man 3 as a, like, in terms of, like, what it does for Tony's story. It feels to me like it's almost like a direct sequel to Avengers in terms of it really yes. feels with his PTSD. I think the idea that he gets, like, totally attacked and basically gets dropped in the middle of nowhere and it really brings him back to the same kind of like moment that he had to deal with in the first Mm -hmm. film i really like the parallel there um i i think all of the character work that they do in the film works really really well i personally like the reason that i feel like it trips up slightly is obviously the whole mess with the villain um i don't know how much people like know about this but in the original drafts um the female accomplice i think her name is maya she's the actual mm-hmm. villain and she kills yes. off what's his face and then she has a whole plan and then when they were drafting the film and starting to like go into production um the head of marvel at the time who was like above kevin um was like no women can't be villains we can't sell a toy if, about that if we do that so he like mandated that they rewrite it and have her killed off um so i think that like obviously the film had some production problems and i do think that um the the use of the mandarin and the fake out with like i think it's it was they were like trying to do a good thing in the moment of like taking a a character that they know is obviously a really racist character and has a lot of really big issues in the comics and trying to do something that was more of like a commentary on it but it just didn't really work and it felt like you know even if you were going to go that route like the the fact that they even cast ben kingsley who already was like a white british man who like won an oscar for playing gandhi like you like there were a lot of like layers to that that were really problematic in the way that they did that and then the fact that you went from like what was ostensibly being set up like mandarin is an interesting villain and like an interesting character even though he's like very problematic and has a problematic history and the fact that you kind of went with this like really interesting kind of version of the mandarin that felt very much in line with like you know, commentary on terror cells and things like that in the moment. And then you undercut it with what is probably one of the most like boring villains in the entire franchise. Um, that I, I mean, does anyone even remember the guy's name? No. Exactly. <laughs> He's so fucking forgettable. And so like, to me, like that is one of the issues and why it ranks slightly lower. Um, but I like what the film does for Tony's arc. And I feel like it it sets it up well for like stuff that happens in Infinity War and stuff that happens in Endgame. And I just think, again, as I said, when we were talking about um, Iron Man 2, I feel like uh, dealing with Tony is more of like a dramatic 
character who is like I like Tony when he's a total asshole and a horrible person but you can under like the character writing is done really well like I don't empathize with him and I don't find him to be a good human being but I think that when he's written in that way he tends to be more interesting than when he's the quippy like oh I'm Robert Downey Jr. and I'm making quips and I'm improvising and I'm look at me I'm so charming I find that when they highlight his flaws and a lot of like the stuff that he goes through he t- it work tends to work better for me as, as a character I had this at 12 um Again, this was probably the first time I yelled at my at the movie screen because of the whole Ben Kingsley thing. But at the same time, when I like humor, watching Ben Kingsley be a bumbling drunk was hilarious, even though it was insanely problematic. But again, I also enjoy Guy Pierce as an actor. So seeing like ugly Guy Pierce turn into um, the evil version of um, Tony Stark as uh, Killian, I thought was interesting. Um, oh, not that was Guy Pierce. I literally could not remember that that was Guy Pierce. Yeah, no. Guy Pierce. Um, yeah, I guess this is really when we're also getting into the world of let's start putting in um, Academy Award winners into our movies just for ten to fifteen minutes. Because again, Ben the Kingsley budget. gets to be a yeah, he gets to be a moron uh, for an entire movie. Um, it's not. I don't know. There, there's something about Iron Man that I think I do enjoy and. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 everything's been said. Uh, there, there are just other characters that I dislike more that will go lower in my rankings. Literally, only the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Hella, wrap us up on Iron Man three. Just laughing because every time. I hear like Zach be like, oh, you know, I just really love Iron Man when he's like an asshole and blah, 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 blah. And then I look over at Lexington and Lexington's just like, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. To be fair, I think he said he liked him more when he's flawed than when he's an asshole. I know, I know. I was was listening to you, I promise. But (laughs) I do want to highlight one thing that you said. And I think it's the only move... I feel like my ch- rankings are changing in real time. FYI to the listeners, like, sorry, didn't have this discussion. <laughs> my them, so. um, but I, I do think this is the only movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, you nerds, you, um, where I feel like they actually looked at the human side of what Avengers would have done to these people. Like, mm-hmm. like we see them as gods, we see them as superheroes, whatever. But like at the end of the day, aliens poured through a fucking hole in the sky and they fucked a bunch of shit up. And then afterwards they ate shawarma. And like that to me is a recipe for needing therapy, if not meds, probably meds and therapy. So like I was a fan of the fact that this movie looked that in the face as opposed to and actually looked at like panic attacks in a mm-hmm. horribly wrong way. <laughs> Because it's a delicate thing to like balance mental health. Obviously, in 2013, come on, we were not talking about mental health the way we are today. So, like, I think there are some shining moments for this, but I think I've said it, I sort of said it with my Iron Man 2, uh, you know, dissection was I just like, I don't know, I just felt like this at the end of the day cheapened the hero of, of the suit. I know that the suit's not. Does the man make the suit or does the suit make the man? I guess I'm on the side of the suit makes the man because like Lexington, he's a fucking piece of shit outside of the suit. The suit's the only thing that actually like starts to get him on the track to changing, um, you know, it's not the reverse. So I feel like having a bunch of easily, 
easily destructible. Although I liked your point, Heidi, when you said like, oh, they were they were cannon fodder because then it does sort of cheapen that they're like they're shitty. I don't know. I don't know how I feel anymore. Yeah, anyway. like I, I try to I try to make it like the bad guy is so powerful. He yeah. needed twelve Iron Man's to die for him to live. Maybe does that make it sound cooler? Really <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it deserves to be near the top. No offense, Michael. No offense. Okay. No, we're good. I, it's, yeah, it's fine. fine. I, I love your opinions. Yeah. Like halfway around still. <laughs> well, let's go on to number 20. And we're talking about another character we know. It is Thor, released on May 6, 2011. Michael, um, you got a little bit of a reboot. I don't know why. Can you hear me? It's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. All right. Um, as the son of Odin, king of the Norse gods, Thor will soon inherit the throne of Asgard from his aging father. However, on the day that he is to be crowned, Thor reacts with brutality when the gods' enemies, the Frost Giants, enter the palace in violation of their treaty. As punishment, Odin banishes Thor to Earth. While Loki, while Loki, Thor's brother, plots mischief in Asgard, Thor, now stripped of his powers, faces his greatest threat. Heidi, start us off on Thor 1. Finish that bite, bitch, then start us off. <laughs> <laughs> Lubricate. <laughs> Love it. She's having shawarma. I swear it was going to be such a longer intro. They've all been so long. Okay, my apologies. I ordered Arby's to my yes. house. We bring the food. Um, I had Thor at 21. Uh, and it's not, be- I don't think it's bad. I think that his character is so charming in this first one. I think that the only reason, and I actually think I would swap them now that I'm looking at my list, I'd swap my 20 and 21 and I'd put Thor above Age of Ultron. I hate that movie. Um, and I mean, we, we'll talk about the good parts of it too, but it just, it isn't worth the hassle. And Thor is just so basic in comparison to all the other things because it's a good movie and it sets up the character well and I think that it's an it's its own good pocket within the Marvel universe but like I love a lot of battles and a lot of different um, plot devices and a lot of things which is why it went lower on my list I yeah I actually have no major criticisms of the movie itself I think it's a fun rewatch and it just isn't as amazing as some of the other things that came after it so hmm. You know, I like I don't I'm not dogging Thor, but it's just not the top is I love Thor three so much. It's really high on my list. But uh, this one just kind of it fell to the end. It's more forgettable, I guess, than the others, because he hasn't he's got he uses this one note character of like, a, oh, I'm out of place here, whereas his development in every other movie is even more different. So I get I don't know, maybe I maybe I need to rewatch it and go higher up on my list. But it's kind of average, in my opinion. I'm so sorry, Lexington. No, (laughs) you should be apologizing to me. (laughs) I know. Oh no. Carnage, how do you feel about Thor? Thor is actually my number nineteen. Slightly better. Actually, I actually like this movie. Um, I I would say like past everything from nineteen and up, I really, really like. and everything else under that is like, yeah, I don't see it again. I will watch Thor again. And the 
one of the things that I like about Thor, and you're going to see this in like a lot of my rankings, that I like movies for arbitrary reasons. And one of the things I like about this movie is that it takes place in like the middle of bumfuck New Mexico nowhere. And I like <laughs> towns that are only one street. Yeah, I'm from New Mexico, so I did really appreciate that part of it. But also, like, it just looks like that everywhere. It's nothing. And <laughs> I think it's funny when you run over people with your car. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, Jane Foster as a character, um, I don't really give a shit about, but I like Natalie Portman as a person. She, she's pretty. Um, and I think she's charming in a role, that, in a nothing role. Kat Denning being Kat Denning. This is like Kat Denning, like... Uh, before she's like right there, like she's inching towards her prime, but she mm-hmm. doesn't get there into one vision. But she's like almost there. Here. And I uh, really appreciate that this is a point in the movie where like we're really seeing like them like really starting to plant those seeds and really like taking out uh, their building blocks in terms of like creating this um, bigger universe because we don't just have mm-hmm. uh, this isn't just a Thor. Uh, movie and it's totally about Thor. We have other things set up. We have Shield set up, uh, and like we're actually seeing Shield in action. Uh, we have Clint uh, introduced in this movie. Do you guys know Hawkeye? that? Hawkeye. Yes, I was about to say. Hawkeye. This is he's the best in this movie. This is like the only movie <laughs> where he's even bearable. Isn't he like an antagonist anyway? <laughs> yeah, he basically <laughs> just sits and like snipes at Thor, and then that's it. And that's <laughs> where he's interesting. You don't, you don't like him as a murderer and then. <laughs> I thought he was going to be. <laughs> yeah, so there's too. Promise. There's lots yeah. of promise in this movie for me. That I just, I, I go back and I remember those bygone days. Uh, and uh, I think the thing that I like most about this movie is seeing Asgard. I think Asgard is an interesting place. Uh, and this was, there was so much potential here. This is not the direction that they went in. But there's so much potential here to explore that really cool, like Norse mythology side of Marvel. There are different sides of Marvel, yes. um, co- cosmic espionage and all that stuff. This is like the more like, really cool mythology side of Marvel that I really, really enjoy. Uh, that this is like the only time we ever get it. And so like I soak it in like where I can. And I love Lady Sif. I love Warriors, uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall. Love all of that mm-hmm. shit. It's so visually appealing. And um, also the uh, Legos Avengers game uh, has mm-hmm. you go to different sections in Marvel Universe. And there's one section where you can just like go to Asgard. You can just walk around and like fuck this shit. I think it's so oh, cool. Oh, cool. Zach, what do you feel about this first Thor movie? So I'm going to preface this with that actually uh, similar to to Hela as I've been sitting here, not totally changing, but my ranking is like slightly shifting. So the way I kind of did my ranking, I would say like one through 14 of mine are pretty set. Like those are the movies that I like, I know I really love. I have opinions about all of them. And then like 19 and below are the movies that for whatever reason, I feel like there's just something that is like fundamentally misjudged or wrong with the movie that it just I really don't care for it for different mostly for like creative decisions that were made and like 15 through 18 are like the ones that I'm like I like it but it's kind of forgettable and they're all kind of like interchangeable to me so I ranked Thor at 18 and I would actually say right now I'm feeling it more like a 15 um I like what it sets up I think that the like Thor out of place, like God going to humans has done the best in this movie. It's actually funny in the first movie. Um, I think that like kind of the mystery of it and his interactions with Jane Foster and Kat Dennings and Bill Skarsgård is really interesting. 
And I personally, I love Loki. Like, I think Loki is one of the best developed Marvel villains um, in the MCU. I think that um, Loki's relationship with Odin and the kind of like father drama that he has with being adopted and wanting to feel like he's Odin's son, but knowing he's not Odin's son and all of that drama is so potent and so interesting. And so I would say that like, I really love all of the like character stuff and the Loki stuff. And I think that last scene where Thor is like reaching down to him and he's on the Bifrost and he lets go and he goes like, I just think, I think that the emotion there and the drama there is so strong and so great, but I just feel like compared to like kind of what comes next, especially for the character, it's just kind of like, it, it works. Like it's a, it's a, it's a charming movie. It works well. There's nothing that I would say that's like really wrong with it. It's just, it's a little boring at times. It's a, it's not like my favorite. What was I would ranking? say it's like a strong, like mid tier for like phase one. What was your ranking? Uh, my ranking was 18, but I would, if we were redoing it, I would probably change it to about 15. Okay. I also had it at 18. Um, for me, I think the, po the positive is having Kenneth, Brana as the director because it is very Shakespearean superhero movie and he obviously is very good at uh, tackling um, content like that. Um, the it's one thing that bothers me about um, tackling that is I don't love when you have like a character enter a new world and it's really bad writing of like what is this what is this and you see the character doing stupid ass shit and you're like yeah. oh my god this is really bad like again i just did the dceu and went back to back with wonder woman and uh wonder woman in 1984 and basically those movies are reversed for um those characters where it's wonder woman learning about uh the 40s and then um chris pine's character learning about the 80s, the 80s. and it's just like it, it's annoying um and that's what bothered me because i no offense but chris hemsworth is not really the greatest actor um so really funny some of his line readings yeah some of his line readings not the greatest but, i will say and then they, it was smart of them to make it different like in that in that shakespearean way because then they're trying yeah. to set up every different og phase one movie like you know captain america is a period piece this is a shakespearean piece iron man was its own kind of film and then i guess yeah. they were going to do like a regular action film for mm -hmm. for hulk and that didn't quite work out but and and poor natalie portman she has to have a romance next to chris hemsworth she has i don't to think she minded do... that <laughs> well no but, but she has bad actors like even uh hayden yeah, christensen oh, she hated it. terrible actors right. to she work off it. of um so it, it, it's for me that's the the negatives but i uh, i don't know it's not my favorite thor movie obviously we'll get to a very good thor movie much later in this ranking um who's next hella you have feelings yeah, you hate just, me already there's a lot of feelings there <laughs> i have to i need to respond to a couple of things first before i go into my spiel for me <laughs> first of all to michael your point about the corny writing of a discovering of a new world. That's literally the point of all of these stories is to make <laughs> it a corny discovery where we're all as the audience going, oh my God, that's so funny because you threw the beer on the floor and said, I'll have another and we don't do that here. You know, like right. that is literally one of my favorite lines. Oh, yeah, I'll have another. He's like, another. He's, and he's, 
charming. Opinion, I, I disagree that I think that's the only way you can write the movie. I don't think you can make it anything other than camp. And also, think, think my right? Like that's, I'm a campy drag performer, so I love camp. Um, yep. Secondly, Zach, you said the term. And I couldn't hear what you just said. Can you just repeat yourself? You said the term father drama, and I think the straightest way to say daddy issues I've ever heard in my entire life. His father. I was reaching for it. I was reaching for the. I was reaching for it. I didn't get there. I'm going to start using that when I talk about my relationship. Father drama. With my father. Okay, so I I had thought, hey, Carnage, I think you're you're off mute. Can you mute anybody, Michael? Are you going to mute people? Just because I think they have stuff going in the background. Okay. And you don't want to miss this take. So, yeah. so I had Thor at nine. I was in the single digits, folks. Okay. We are, we are going off the rails here. Oh, work. And I will tell you why. There are two very specific reasons. And honestly, they're really sort of personal to me. So it probably doesn't even apply to the greater audience. But number one, there is a scene where everyone is trying to pull this hammer out of the soil and we see at least 15 obnoxiously white cis straight men make a fool of themselves trying to pull this out with their fucking truck and i live for that moment because they said look at these jackasses be stupid so anyway that scene as a whole to me carries <laughs> carries the film um also it's just fun it's lighthearted. it's fun like it, like you said, it's it's campy, but the other side of things, and you brought this up actually already, which is Natalie Portman. Uh, I think we need to have a quick discussion about her. So first of all, as someone who was born in 1993, um, the same year that Jurassic Park, same month actually, the Jurassic Park came out. So kudos to Jurassic Park for making a guest appearance on the show. But I will say. <laughs> I watched Star Wars episode one in theaters and it changed my fucking life, right? Not because it's well-written. It's one of the worst written movies in the entire fucking- It's camp. Movie, it's camp. But it's- It is camp. <laughs> camp. And Tomorrow. can we talk about- why I, I love episode one. I really do. Can we talk about why they are appropriative at some instances, the outfits. Oh, that. yes. And she, she was undiscovered at that point largely, right? And so for me, I saw this character that I had like- idolized as a child i had bet my entire sexuality on this woman yes and she came back in iron Man and i was like okay i'm straight 100 like, i'm super in love with jane foster like amazing chris hemsworth doesn't look bad with the shirt off but we're not going to go there till like 2022 no, i'm just kidding but like <laughs> next <on>. year <laughs> no oh shit <laughs> <laughs> We're just, we're still dealing with a lot in therapy. No, um, I just like truly, I think that that movie for me just had this impact that even though my life has changed a ton, it was such a monumental, like, oh my God, this is really cool. And at, up to that point, that was the first movie in the series where it was like alien dropped into human world, adjusting to human things, right? Because Captain America happened afterwards and it's, yes. it's a storyline. So I think that it was done well. Um, and I really loved the Shakespearean-ness to it and the campiness. And I'm glad they went the direction they did with Thor, which is why I think Thor 2 is a blot on the existence of mankind. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's those are my thoughts. Take him or leave him. Natalie Portman. Lexington, 
wrap us up on Thor. I also really enjoyed it. I had it at 16. Um, which is feel I guess I could put it a little bit higher, <laughs> but I really, I do really enjoy the um, And it was funny, I literally was going to say because of the strong casting. Because <laughs> I really like Idris Elba, obviously Natalie Portman. Um, I like Chris's acting as well. <laughs> um, I also was going to say one of my favorite parts is like the comedy in it was like really, really resonated with me I guess because I was like dying laughing like the the mug scene was really one of like my favorite scenes and like ever in life <laughs> um but the, like the comedy they were using was right up my alley um and I do also think it was really this floor was the first like I guess alien uh, hero to be around mm-hmm. to the world it really opened up the world into like the universe I guess um which was a I think they did it well which was a big part of all of that um, and then mostly agreeing with Hella, disagreeing with everyone else who was talking shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rewatch it tonight. <laughs> rewatch that shit, okay? Secret. Rewatch it, yeah. It is really fun. I, I really I really do like that movie. It's, it's not my favorite, but it, it is. It, I, I give points to it. Like the more we were talking about it, I was like, maybe I should have put it up higher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, same. Yeah, same here. Same. Push it up a little bit. And, and that's the fun of this podcast is like we have initial reactions, but we're all going to change our opinions on certain things. It's also just one of those early ones. So it's like yeah. you're starting yeah. at the beginning and you're watching you a lot. End, you by the time you get to the end, there are so many good movies that happen in like phase three and stuff like that, that it just kind of like gets bumped down. But it's definitely I think it's like maybe one of the strongest movies in the first two phases. Generally. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the strongest. Well, well, if, if we're going to start at the beginning at number 19, we got to start with the very first one. It's Iron Man. Um, oh, we're at 19 Iron Man. and it's Iron Man. We're at it's number 19. Man. <laughs> Iron Man tells no. the story of Tony Stark, a billionaire industrious and genius inventor who is kidnapped and forced to build a devastating weapon. Instead, using his intelligence and ingenuity, Tony builds a high-tech suit of armor and escapes captivity. When he uncovers a nefarious plot with global implications, he dons his powerful armor and vows to protect the world as Iron Man. All right, Carnage, you can start us off with the first MCU entry. Um... Um, upon a rewatch, um, I don't like this as much as I thought I did. Um, and I think that's only because I thought it was maybe because of recency bias, but no, I just think MCU movies have just gotten better. Um, th- there's a lot of things that this gets right, though, and a lot of things that are well established in this. Uh, one of the things that I probably love the most is that at the end of the movie, Tony Stark says, I am Iron Man, which uh, immediately eliminates this need for secret identities, which I don't like, and it causes a lot of problems that we don't need that are tried, and I hate them. So I like that, and I think this uh, this idea of uh, old, uh, older, uh, white, rich man, all the things that teenagers hate, right, uh, being the protagonist is very interesting because Stan Lee said we invented the character because we wanted to make the kids of the 60s upset uh, and we're going to make you love him. Uh, it didn't work on me, but uh, everyone else did. I, I like that they I like that they did that. I'm not really sure if I like the character himself, but I like that they did that. Um, and one of the uh, things that I genuinely like about this uh, movie is I think the action is cool. And I had never seen like a 
anything like that from other movies. The only action I've seen in uh, movies are these fucking uh, X Men movies that I don't care about, um, and I can barely tell who's who, like what their CGI stunt doubles. Uh, and there's a lot of cool and there's like great uh, iconic imagery from this movie, like Tony uh, with the donut in the donut is great. I love that. I love that image, and I want to recreate it one day. And what I what I will say is that I appreciate this movie more than I like it. And this movie um, has a lot of payoff um, after uh, Infinity War and Endgame and Avengers and all that. Uh, so I like this movie better in retrospect, actually. Putting it in context with the greater MCU as a standalone movie, I just I can't put it higher than where I put it at, which is number twenty. Um, and not to say that it's a bad movie, and I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just I enjoy everything else more, and I enjoy it collectively with everything else. But by itself, it just can't stand that high for me. And I like Happy Hogan. I, I, I like him a lot. Happy Hogan. Zach, what do you feel? All right. I feel like I'm probably going to be the outlier in this whole group. Um, so I had Iron Man 1 ranked at 10. I had it higher than that. So And so I will say, I think that for me, in a similar way, I think my ranking was more Lexington is like, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> I feel like my ranking for this one had more to do with an appreciation and like reverence for what it means for superhero films and what it meant yes. for the genre and all of that. I, I mean, I also do like, to me, it feels like Iron Man is a drama masquerading as a, as a superhero movie, kind of in a similar way that like the Dark Knight is a crime film masquerading as a superhero film. Like to me, it, it doesn't really feel like a superhero movie in that way, but I feel like that's there's something that's super, that's really revolutionary about that. And so I, I feel like, it's not my favorite film. Like, it's not like, I don't know if we were talking about like my, per like very, very, like I kind of treated the, like for me, I looked at the ranking a little bit more in terms of what I saw as like the, uh, like not like my subjective, like quality of the film of like, I really appreciated this movie because I thought it was a really well done film. It's not my favorite. Like I would say if we were like, we're talking about there are some movies that are probably like worse movies that I objectively, like subjectively enjoyed a little bit more. But I think that like, it works really well. The character is really well established. Um, it works really, really well in terms of, I think it's one of the films that does the whole, like the first villain that the superhero faces is the mirror of the superhero. The superhero. I think Obadiah Stane is like one of the best versions of that in the MCU. And I actually, I think it really just helps having such a strong actor in that role. Um, that it, even though the role, like the character itself was kind of a bit of a cipher, they had a really strong cast. So it really helped that. And I, I think Pepper is really charming. And I think that their whole relationship in the first film is done really, really well. And I, I really like that dynamic. Um, and I will say, like, I just think that like the, like what Carnage said, the whole no ident superhero, like no secret identity things was so revolutionary for the time. Like capping off the end of that movie with, I am Iron Man and then jumping right into the post credit scene, which had like never been done before and bringing in Sam Jackson. And, you know, I want to, you know, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Like there's just something so revolutionary about that film and what it did and what it set up and the hind, like the, the foresight that it had, I just have a lot of respect for it. And so to me, I feel like it almost like it deserves to be in the top 10 because of what it did. 
And, and the fact that you're taking an actor that was an alcoholic and was in rehab for years and was basically, you know, blacklisted and was told like, we'll never work again. And they had the guts to basically trust and gamble on starting this entire franchise, which turned into such a huge, incredible franchise on this person that like, everyone was like, really? Robert Downey Jr.? Like that guy is gonna be Iron Man? I think it was such a ballsy move and it just really paid off. And I, I just think that even if the MCU has come so far, I feel like it was a really great starting point. And I actually think as a film, it's one of like the tentpole really good movies in the first like half of the MCU. It's, it's just a good movie. The writing is really good. The, the comedy is really well done. And I, I just, I, I like it a lot as a film. I do remember seeing this in theaters because it was the first of the MCU and it really was an our imitates life with Robert Downey Jr. being cast in this role and um, then having this really be one of John Favreau's one first um, uh, uh, directorial debuts and him turning into this big name director. Um, but yeah, it, it is a really interesting um, take, especially in 2008 with where the world was, um, which I is something that is really important to look back at, especially during a rewatch to kind of see how much it was a bit of a period piece nowadays. Um, I also think it was interesting to see version one of uh, Rhodey through the lens of Terrence Howard and how um, that was just not gonna work if uh, going forward. Um, it, I don't think that he would have been a character that would have been continued on very far because I don't think Terrence Howard really captured what the MCU wanted. wanted. Um, but for me, one of the fun things is to really realize that from the very beginning, you, hold, you had Paul Bettany and as the voice of Jarvis and he's going to be your voice actor and voice actor and then he's finally going to get his uh, time on screen later on, which I think is really exciting. Um but yeah, for me, it's I, I ranked it at 16. It's de- for me, it's a middle tier movie. Um, but it it's did 16 for me too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets praise for kicking off the world. Um, Hella, you have feelings. Yeah, I mean, I, they're not as strong as Thor. I will say, I had I had <laughs> a, I had I had Iron Man at eight, and just for awareness for those listening, I am a Cancer. And I am an ENFP, so I really go off of feeling, um, which could really affect these rankings. Um, but this, these movies that happened in such a formative time of my life are hard to one up because I was a young child watching this world of movies, which I could argue was the most impactful thing in my upbringing just radically changed before my eyes. And I think that that was more powerful than I give it credit to in my own life. Um, You know, I really kind of wish that we could go back and make all the Iron Man franchises less racist (laughs) Um, because I think like, unfortunately folks put this, took this fear of terrorists, terrorism that sort of arose in the early 2000s and they really like took that and ran with it to make it the central villain of a, of a movie. And I think that that's just unfortunate um, and problematic. But at the end of the day, I think with Iron Man, I, on the other hand, sorry, Lexington, but I love the idea of a superhero 
that can make themselves into what they are. Because for me, that's the only thing that ever felt relatable with superheroes, right? Like if I see Thor, I'm like, that's cool as fuck. Chris Hemsworth is hot, but like, I'm not a Asgardian and I will never be an Asgardian, but like to watch like Batman or, 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 you know, uh, Tony Stark or these people that obviously I'm not a genius because God knows that's true. My GPA from college would say very distinctly otherwise. Um, but I just think this idea that you didn't have to be someone who was born born that way. <laughs> like you didn't have to be <laughs> someone who, who had these abilities innate to them from, from childhood or whatever. Um, that was relatable to me. And so not the not the billionaire esque, but just the idea that like you had a problem and you and you found a way to fix the problem and then you became a better person because because of it. I thought that arc, <laughs> well, maybe not, maybe not in the first movie, but over the course of, uh, I mean, Lexington, he gave his life. He's Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's still alive. He's Jesus Christ. But all, I'm just all I'm trying to say is. That was, it happened at such a formative time in my pretty fucked up childhood. Um, so these movies that sort of pulled me out of my own reality and put me into a different reality, including Star Wars and all these things that happened at the same time, just really like made an impact that I've been hard to surpass, even with the quality of film that I think has surpassed the quality of films of the earlier MCU universe. Again, how I was feeling inside it's hard to it's hard to repeat you know it's like oh my god like i we can let's just wow this is fun this is cool whatever so i had it at eight right right below right above thor um crucify me you know my hands are up put the nails in lexington do it it's your turn <laughs> i'm gonna keep mine short because <laughs> you guys know how i feel about iron man already but um, I do understand that it was like an iconic moment. I do applaud it for kicking off the whole MCU, um, which is why it was the highest of the three Iron Mans at 21. <laughs> um, you know, you got to respect it a little bit for that. Um, again, just don't like him <laughs> one bit. But, you know, it was the best of the three, I guess. And Heidi, wrap us up on Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, let me see. Did I have it as be- I have it as best of the three as well? Um, at, it's at sixteen in my spot, and it could be a little higher, I suppose. I thought I was ranking it high as that OG, and I would just uh, second what Hala said because I think that it is so. It's like it's like why Yada Sophia should still be in this season of All Stars. Uh, you just can't stop OG excellence. Like there, you would mm-hmm. not exist if that person did not come before you. That movie, if that movie didn't exist, you would not have. If that wasn't successful, there would not have been a Thor one or a Thor two. And I just think that they, like, you got to give credit to where credit is due sometimes. But in the end, when you look at it on a lineup, it might not stand up next to some of the amazing things that have come along since. Can I actually refute that last point really quickly? Okay, yeah. I'm not refuting it on the on like the idea behind it, but I actually feel like in terms of like a if this hadn't succeeded, we wouldn't have like if X hadn't succeeded, we wouldn't have Y. I actually feel like Avengers really falls into that spot because okay, I yeah. feel like they they greenlit all of those movies knowing that they were building towards Avengers. So I feel like even if all of those movies had flopped, we probably we would still would have, have gotten, gotten to Avengers. Okay. 
and I, I agree with if you there. Avengers had done really poorly, then it wouldn't have That's continued. That's the make or break. But I feel like they were already made, you know what I mean? Like they were already in the process yeah. of filming Thor when Iron Man came out. That's like true. That. You're right about that. Zach, are you a, you're an ENTP, aren't you? A what? <laughs> I don't know what that means. He doesn't take the <laughs> test. I don't take those tests. <laughs> I'm a Pisces. I also do want to point out that um, I know it's a horrible movie, but uh, X-Men The Last Stand was one of my favorite movies in years ago so lexington okay <laughs> you know i had no. so i had so much respect for you in this conversation until you said and then, that <laughs> like all x2, right yes but the last day x2 is fantastic x2 and days of future past I mean, all the, yeah anyway we'll x-men one let's bring us back to that. so long as storm is not a nudist in those movies i will never pray that <laughs> Storm All is right. something cool in the comics, and in the movies, she's just like an afterthought. It's like, oh look, she has powers. That's All right, we'll we'll save that conversation for cut. another one. Oh, <laughs> we, are, we are going to go to number eighteen. We've basically wrapped up our conversation on the Iron Man's and the Thor's, so we got a new hero to discuss. Number eighteen, released on July seventeenth, twenty fifteen. It is Ant Man. Oh. Oh, yep. armed, motherfuckers. With, <laughs> armed with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength master thief scott like- lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor dr hank Pym protect the secret behind his spectacular ant-man suit from a new generation of towering threats against seemingly insurmountable obstacles Pym and lang must plan and pull off a heist that will save the world all right, Zach, your turn. Start us off. Okay, so I apparently again was an outlier. I like Ant Man. I, I have a rank fifteen. Um, I probably like if I were adjusting my ranking to slot Thor up there, I'd probably it'd probably bump down one to sixteen. Um, but to me, I just think it's it's a really fun caper. Like I just think it's like a really fun movie. It's it's not it's not it does it doesn't have the same grandiose of some of the other movies. But I think that uh, Paul Rudd is like so fucking charming in that movie. Like just really like off the walls like mm-hmm. charisma. Um, really really fun movie. I think that um, they did a really smart thing with the whole like Lang is being mentored by Pim because I like as much as it is as as wonderful as it is to like pay respect to Hank Pym and stuff like that I do understand that like historically that character is very problematic and so I understand that Marvel necessarily wouldn't have wanted to like have a wife beater as one of their like main MCU Avengers um but I feel like I like that made him relatable back when the comics were on right yeah um but i just i feel like it's just a really fun movie like it's just it works really well i i personally think that both films in that franchise have a lot of heart i think that ant-man one is a little tighter than ant-man and the wasp as a film although i actually like both of them a lot and i just i love i love scott and and uh, casey's relationship like i think his relationship to his daughter and their dynamic is so um beautiful and i think it's honestly one of the best like parent child relationships that's in the whole franchise um i just i re- i really love ant man it's not one of my like it's it like again it doesn't beat some of the ones that are just a little bit more grandiose and are just like the heavy hitters but i don't like it's so charming i really don't see anything wrong with it as a film it's just really fun so I'm the one who tanked Ant-Man. Um, I had it at 20. Oh. Um, 
I personally am not a fan of heist movies, and that's where oh, my issue comes with this movie. It, yeah, yes, which this it is, is now, a heist movie. Yes, yeah, it's, I love it, it's, it's Marvel's heist ver- movie. Of it, it changes um, the tone of it. It's got an incredible cast. Like if you look at the people in this movie, these are a lot of leading players taking on secondary roles. Um, now anytime I get to see Judy Greer, um, just <laughs> I just think of uh, uh, Arrested, Arrested Development, Development and just want her to like um, lift her top. Um, but yeah, I I love Paul Rudd. I I I just don't love heist movies, and that's the only reason why this movie um, dropped for where it is. Because I think um, yeah, it just it didn't connect with me. I think. I wanted a little more humor and I got more humor out of Ant-Man and the Wasp than I did out of Ant-Man. Can I actually, I have one more thing I want to add. Can I just jump in? I really, I apologize. Sure. Another, like, just as like a, like thing that Ant-Man did that I want to just give credit to. I feel like Ant-Man is the first time where um, it felt like they were starting to play with the timeline of the MCU in the sense that it felt like all of the movies were coming out and it was like, okay, like it's this movie and then it's this movie and then this thing happened. And it felt like Ant-Man was the first movie in the franchise where it felt like they were actually starting to explore like, hey, you might not have heard of him up until now. But no, I mean, in terms of like the fact that like, it's not like any of us knew that Ant-Man was a thing in the MCU up until that film. And I really like the fact that instead of being like, here's this like character that it's brand new. I like the fact that Hank Pym, like that they tied him into the history with S.H.I.E.L.D. and with Howard Stark. And I like the fact that he was like working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and developing the Pym Particles back in the 60s. And it just feels like it makes the whole world more expansive. And it makes the whole timeline of like what superheroes were in the MCU and kind of the timeline of that. I feel like it's the first film that really does that. Obviously outside of Captain America, because that starts in the 40s. But I feel like that was the first time that I got the sense of like, oh, there were things that happened in this franchise that we haven't seen and they're going to keep filling in the gaps for us. And I, I really like that about that piece of the film. All right. Hella, go for it. Oh, sorry. That's a yawn because that's exactly how I feel about <laughs> damn movie. Okay. Listen, I had this in 17 and I'll tell you why. If I hear another homosexual talk about how charming Paul Rudd is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we all love Paul Rudd. We get it. And he's kind of frumpy. And honestly, like, they leaned on him in this to carry this movie. You said it's a heist movie. I'm a fan of heist movies. I love the Ocean series. I think that's peak heist movie done well when it comes to how it's directed or written. This is just kind of boring. This is kind of boring. Like, at the end of the day, like, I like the concept of Ant-Man and this character that goes, like, tiny but it's still really strong um but when i looked at the list of all the other movies i had to say like nope i like this better than ant-man nope i like this better than ant-man and and i couldn't honestly put it higher than 17 um and and the ant-man series in general i'm excited to see what they do in the future i think the coming ant-man movie is going to be amazing i hope um but what they have produced so far to me is uh it feels like knockoff marvel when it comes to, they sort of just took this idea of, I think they took the idea that, oh my God, we really looked at these characters that aren't that popular in the larger comic book universe and we made them huge. What else can we add to that? The guy that's an ant. And I just feel like it was kind of boring. And even Ant-Man and the Wasp was just sort of like, eh, y'all are reaching a little bit. So I don't know, I had them low. 
but I also recognize that that's, you know, so far I've been pretty outliered on most rankings. So, you know, maybe it's this wig, it's tight. Okay, uh, next. Lexington. I <laughs> do agree that Ant-Man and the Wasp is better than Ant-Man, but I had them both pretty high. So I had Ant-Man at 11. <laughs> um, I had Ant-Man and the Wasp lower. Did you? Yes, I did. Lovely. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a great story. I think Paul Rudd's comedic timing is amazing. Um, we also get the yellow jacket. I'm a sucker for a bald daddy. So like mm -hmm. it was doing all kinds of good things for me. <laughs> I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Not ripping the wig off. It was <laughs> I knew that was perfect. <laughs> I agree. I just said the wig was too tight. Um, I agree the parent relationship is amazing there. I just think it was like a, a just good storytelling. And like the, I do enjoy heist movies. Um, I thought it was funny and just like, I just thought it was good. I liked it. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a solid movie choice. Carnage, wrap us up on Ant-Man. So this is actually my number 16 and it does rank higher than ant-man and the lost for me uh one of the reasons why uh i actually like this movie kind of has to do with the fact that it kind of went back to what iron man started where like we are gonna take a break from the main mcu storyline right now we're gonna introduce another character who i actually really like and i think he is charming and Paul Rudd is adorable and I love him and he's actually relatable and you ever go up to someone and say hey do you want to go watch some Paul Rudd and they'd be like hell no I don't watch no Paul Rudd it doesn't happen everyone loves Paul Rudd and he's great and uh, the uh, main draw of this movie is that it's it's meant to be funny and it is funny and like I can't say that for movies that are meant to be funny and they're not and uh, I think what it what it set out to do it did really well is it like the greatest like comedy ever no is it the greatest superhero movie no is it the greatest heist movie no but it's really fun to watch and like if you ever go up to someone and say like what do you want to watch want to watch Ant-Man they'd be like yeah I want to watch Ant-Man and you're gonna have a good fucking time watching it uh the uh reason why I ranked this particular movie above Ant-Man and the Wasp is only for one reason. It's because Peggy Carter is at the beginning of it, and that's it. Mm. <laughs> Alright, there we go. I don't have much to say. Mine was at 12, but I will say that nobody mentioned Michael Pena's wrap-ups are the best part of the comedy in Ant-Man, and the fact that we have him and that line, it just I think it's the real cherry on top to the whole theme of like a funny, capered heist movie within the superhero universe. And he's there for both of them. Well, I guess we'll talk about Emma and the Wasp in a second. Apparently, people liked it a lot more. I had it lower because of time travel. Time travel is stupid. Let's go. Right? Right. Well, that, that's right. what we got. We're going to have lots of opinions when we get to Endgame. Yes, we are. <laughs> you have a good point, though, with the, it's like not the best comedy, not the best like superhero movie. But like for me, I feel like most like straight comedy movies like kind of dumb. And so like whenever I want to watch something like funny, it's like, oh, that's like, funny without being like stupid you know it has yeah. another purpose yeah, than just exactly. being funny yeah i really love it <laughs> all right I, I number can, i can go see ahead the wrap-ups being the i am a sucker for any time someone is doing a lip sync in a fucking movie that's terrible like yes what's <laughs> good simply... okay number 17 it is Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, that was 20 for me, much lower. That was 20 for me as well, yeah. 
When Tony Stark tries to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program, things go awry and Earth's mightiest heroes, including Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye, along with support from Nick Fury and Maria Hill, are put to the ultimate test as the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. As the villainous Ultron emerges, it is up to the Avengers to stop him from enacting his terrible plans, and soon uneasy alliances and unexpected action pave the way for an epic and unique global adventure i will kick this off and say i love james spader great and that's i my thing is i just don't love like when people die and then come back to life multiple times within the same movie it just i don't know there's this one just fell flat for me and maybe i just don't like computers and robots wanting to take over the world it's um, boring yeah there was just no nothing exciting about this i know it like it made 1.403 billion dollars i don't know um, how i think it came out in yeah. christmas or something families needed something to do also um my other issue is as an x-men fan i had a lot of Feelings, feelings when yes. it came to Wanda Maximoff yes. and Pietro because their yeah. father is Magneto and that's yes. how it's always going to be for me. So it's always going to be I, that way. Yeah, I had an issue with this version of that. Um, I still believe that they're going to make that happen somehow. They're, once well, they get they're, those they're, rights, they're going to because it's actually really interesting. So a lot of times, uh, ever since the MCU started. They'll some they'll make like subtle shifts in the comics and change things in the comics to push stuff that is happening in the films. So like two of the things that happened like regarding the X Men because the um, the X Men were owned by Fox for such a long time. Um, one in like I think like 2013 or 14 they started pushing the Inhumans over the X Men and they kind of the Inhumans started like overtaking and replacing X-Men and mutants as like in the same like field and genre of what's happening in the comics. And then similarly, they actually retconned and removed Magneto's parentage from both Wanda and Pietro Mm. in like 2015, because in the films they couldn't have it. Um, And that was a very unpopular retcon. And actually they're literally right now, like the first issue came out today, they're in the process of, uh, reversing that retcon. Ella, how do you feel about Avengers Age of Ultron? Added at 12. Um, and let me tell you this. When I first watched it back in 2015, I saw it in theaters. I was so disappointed because I was just like, this felt like the, the, the for, it felt forced. The camp felt for, like, it was like we looked at Avengers 1 that worked. And then the line that sticks out to me was, I'm always picking up after you boys as she like grabbed the 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 shield off the ground and I was like fire that writer immediately. <laughs> they but, did. Just we didn't fired after this but, movie. A big butt too, okay? He's a big ass. So I watched it again on my own, not even through the 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 watch through with my roommate and my opinion completely changed because I really liked this idea that this like thing that we were talking about a little bit with with Tony Stark, sort of the the up uh, the flip side to this technology, right? Like we he he has used this technology to completely create this like superhuman aspect 
and then Jarvis is this like supercomputer and he just wants to like meld the two, whatever. And he, and he create, and it's also this fear. I really just, it's really when we start to look at the fear of that, that really gets played out in civil war, sort of this fear of like, we need to stop it before it happens. It's almost this, um, God, what's that movie minority report. It almost feels minority reportish where it's like the, we know the crime before it happens. And so that's, we're going to send someone out to stop it, you know, and we want to create this like super defense mechanism that's going to stop everything from happening. And it, and it also felt like a knee jerk reaction to Avengers one, which was this, we don't know what's out there and we need to be prepared for everything. Um, I love James Spader. And I think him as this character, that sort of the chaos had some reminiscence of Heath Ledger in, in, uh, in dark Knight of just like sure. yeah. just see the world fucking burn because y'all suck. And I think like on a rewatch now where we're more so than ever realizing that everyone does actually suck and the world is like burning, it just felt applicable. And I really just think it's, I think it's worth a rewatch. If you haven't seen it in a long time, I would highly advise going into it with a fresh, a fresh watch. Cause I think it, I think it holds up better than you remember if you didn't watch it since last time. So. Lexington. Yeah. I, I mean, I put it at 18, but I did actually like it. I didn't think it was like a, I mean, I obviously love that we get Wanda and Quicksilver in there, even though they, they kill one of them, which is rude. Um, they kill the one who can like speed through bullets, like with bullets. And then they make Wanda all powerful, <laughs> which is a different story. But um, I think I agree. If you look back on it, like more recently, Ultron kind of was warning us like, uh, like what was going to happen in later movies where like you will burn <laughs> um, yeah. because they kind of all imploded on themselves. Um, I think it also like had a lot of like action, like superpowerness showing, yeah. which made it like enjoyable, especially like in a movie theater. Um, the storyline it's been done before, which I think was probably its biggest downfall. But like I thought it was like a, a solid movie. I just, I don't really know why I put it so low, but like I couldn't really put it higher. I don't think <laughs> you literally can't have Civil War unless you have this movie, and Civil War at least right. was a really yeah. great. So, so I think like you have to also recognize that the themes from like destroying the entire fucking country, <laughs> like lifting in the air and things like that, and the guilt, mm-hmm. Christian upbringing, but that guilt resonates, baby. So it's like that. I, 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 yeah. And they've put that in Tony from from the OG. Like that's been Tony's struggle as a yeah. superhero with his identity out there, like to be responsible for all the things that I caught collateral damage. And also like, what if I hadn't have stepped in and done anything? Would the problem just have solved itself easier? Am I making it worse by trying to protect everyone? Like that is all laid up there with his struggle. But I, that's why I think the first half of the movie is pretty like it's so much exposition. They spend so much time doing, ex- and isn't, don't they have like a holiday party where they drunkenly all try to pick up the hammer? Yes. Like that's cute. That that's cute. Like yeah, it's a fun scene. But also, then that pays off later, yeah, right? Like it, yeah. now we know no one can pick up the hammer. So when someone does, it's really, really cool because no, but they years tease ago, it. They tease it that Cap is worthy in that scene. Oh, That's the thing is they have, there's, it's like, I forget exactly what it is. Cause I, I, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's either he like grabs it and it wiggles and yeah. Thor gives it like him a knowing look. So actually like that even connects really well 
he grabs it, it wiggles, and Thor's like, what the fuck? And like, yeah, he's like, no, no one else is worried. It's just me. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I also will say that final sequence, you get that famous shot of them all jumping and it's all down the line in the woods and they're all at different levels. This is somebody who's on like a motorcycle and some shit. Um, and then they get the whole ba- the whole end battle is super cool. Like a, you'll see in my rankings, they definitely reflect how cool the battles are. And uh, <laughs> this one, I just don't think that that cool end battle, though, I'd watch just that sequence many times if you if you proposed it to me. I don't think it holds up to the whole film being so long. They've got so much talking. And even James Spader can't save it with his voice. I just think it's a lot. And it's not quite as good as Avengers. But I just pictured him in his character from The Office being like... Yes, it's Robert California <laughs> as hates the world. Yes. Carnage. This is my number five. Thank you. Uh, I, I really like I really like this movie. Yes, I, I ranked it above. Avengers. Yes, I ranked it above the first Avengers and, and Avengers Infinity War. I don't know why. I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> I don't think it's a good movie, but I really, really right. like it. And I like it for a lot of reasons. Again, arbitrary reasons, but also I think some good reasons as well. Alternate as a character, I think he's fun. I think he is indicative of, like, there's one point where like, Tony calls him Junior, and I think that's perfect. I think he is Tony's son. He feels like Tony's son because he, he talks. He talks like Tony. Uh, and I wish I wish we could have seen. I, I like his like distressed design when he's like uh, like he's in the body of like the wrecked Iron Legion suit. I like him better as that, and I wish they would have kept that. But like him, just like monologuing with like his fucked up face, I really like him singing Pinocchio. I think it's he's great. It's monologue. creepy. It's eerie. Yeah, he, he's good at monologuing. He's like one of the only villains that actually is good at monologuing. Uh, and there's fun scenes in the movie that I just like to watch and I just watch them by themselves, even like the, the party scene. I like that scene. I like Scar- Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo's chemistry. I like them as a couple. I, it's sad that they never actually like went anywhere with that, but I like their chemistry in this movie. I like that they're a little flirty. It's a little, it's a little risky sometimes. I think it's cute. Um, it, seeing Maria anytime is great. Uh, I am, I do subscribe to the theory that Cap absolutely could have lifted the hammer and he just realized that he couldn't just pretend to not um um, okay i'm not married to the idea that wanda and quicksilver are magneto's children i think they're beyond their lineage i think they're good characters uh besides besides that point and i don't really give a shit about magneto i'm gonna be quite honest um i don't i will say it again (laughs) i'm affronted but Michael Fassbender, yes, sit on my face like all day. Um, <laughs> also, what's his face? You play Gandalf, sit on my face. Fuck. Like, <laughs> McKellen? Yes, Ian, Ian McKellen. McKellen. I would go down on Ian McKellen Her just Ian for Mel. the culture. I'm not even allowed to say that as a gay man. I'm so sorry. Uh, that is Wanda, not our culture. Wanda's introduced in this movie, and I love her, and I loved her, and I, I keep loving her like with each movie, and especially with WandaVision. And uh, a lot of good lines in this movie. The line where she says, like, we waited for two days for this uh, warhead to go off, and like she is the warhead that everyone is waiting to go off. Um, she doesn't realize that 
she's making that connection, but she totally is. Uh, Quicksilver dying, like I, it's, it's funny that the man is killed to further develop the woman's character, because to be honest, like they've always been connected, like at the hip, like Wanda has always been, oh, Quicksilver's brother. I like that they got rid of him quickly and like they just allowed her to be herself. And I like that. And she goes crazy later, like great. All the payoffs, I love it. Them at a cabin with Hawkeye's family. And like the only way they made Hawkeye interesting is to attach him to Linda Cardellini. Good job. Um, Nick Fury. Wait, Linda Cardellini is Hawkeye's wife? Yes. Yeah. I did not yeah. realize that. It's Velma, everyone. Uh, and one, yeah. and I think this is, and I think this is really, I think this is really cool. Um, this has something to do with like really the movie itself, but like, and there's a, uh, the season finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's this medium, like, sidekick character, and she has a vision, and, like, she's panicking. They go, what's going on? She says, consequences are upon us. Men made of metal are going to tear our city apart, and the world will be changed forever. And then they re- released the trailer of Age of Ultron, and it was awesome, and it was cool. And the, her premonition came true, and it was uh, amazing. And just, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I use that as kind of, like, soft canon to make things that don't make sense in the MCU better, and so it makes Age of Ultron better, and I really like it. It was other clear Wyatt. Uh, no, not the clairvoyant. Uh, I forget her name. She's the one with all the spikes on her body. All right, Zach, finish us off with Ultron. All right, so I ranked Ultron at 20. Um, I think that I like all of the parts of the movie, but I feel like the parts don't add up to something that is a strong film. Like I, I think all of like the building blocks of the movie are really good. I think Ultron is a great villain. I think James Spader's voice alone like sells the fuck out of the character. Um, I love that we get Wanda and Pietro. I love the scene at Hawkeye's um, house and that kind of like that like smaller moment with the family. I thought that was really well done. Like I like all of the individual. Oh, I love that we get Vision. I love that we get vision from Ultron yes. slightly different from it is in the comics. Like there are, like to me Age of Ultron is like the connecting block that connects the first half of the MCU and the second half of the MCU, but almost because of that it almost feels like it feels like a connecting block. Like to me it doesn't feel like it stands alone as its own film. It really feels like an integral part of the story overall. Like you really can't go from I, you know, you can't go from Iron Man, Avengers, in you know, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame without Age of Ultron. Like it really is the central building block to explain how things pivot from the first half to the second half. Um, but I just, I feel like as a film, I, I don't, I don't think it's a great movie. I feel like it drags a lot. I feel like there's a lot of really awkwardly placed exposition. Um, I feel like um, that whole tying, you know, tying Black Widow to the to the Hulk and that awful dialogue that they gave her talking about how um, she relates to him as a monster because she uh, is infertile. And so because she can't have kids, she relates to the, like she calls herself like that, that whole thing to me is really icky. And there's something very uncomfortable about that scene and that dynamic. And I, that, um, and I think also, I think it's at least worth mentioning the fact that one of the like major changes that they made to both Wanda and Pietro as characters. And I, I think that it kind of works, but I understand why there's a lot of issues with it. The fact that you took characters that are historically Roma and Jewish, whose father, who's in the comics, whose father is a Holocaust survivor, 
And then you changed, you whitewashed both characters and made them be from some like MCU, Eastern European country. And then our introduction to the characters is that they are working for a Nazi stand-in. Like that in and of itself and that dynamic is very uncomfortable. Um, specifically the fact that it's like the two populations that were like most negatively impacted by the Holocaust um, and you're whitewashing the characters and making them Nazis basically. Um, and I just think like, I think these are all things that like negatively imp impact the film later on. Um, and obviously like that has nothing to do with the film itself, but I just think it's worth mentioning, especially how they doubled down on it in WandaVision by really emphasizing that they volunteered um, and that they weren't just like random recruits that were like yanked off the street, that they actually were protesting and like volunteered to sign up for this trial. It's just, it's a very uncomfortable dynamic between like the characters' identities and how they've always been seen and like what the MCU has chosen to do. And this is also the beginning of Elizabeth Olsen's um, accent that will slowly go to nothing. Um, you know, choices. She... She I actually like that as an acting choice. I actually think that's a yeah. really strong acting choice because like she's, as she becomes more and more- um, She's uh, code switching. Assimilated, yeah, exactly. I also like that they make fun of it. They make fun of it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they do that. Well, let's move on to number 16. I have to ask, do you believe in magic? It is Doctor Strange. Ah. Doctor Strange is the story of the world-famous neurosurgeon Doctor Stephen Strange, whose life changes forever after a horrific car accident robs him of the use of his hands. When traditional medicine fails him, he is forced to look for healing and hope in an unlikely place, a mysterious enclave known as Kamartage. He quickly learns that this is not just a center for healing, but also the front line of a battle against unseen dark forces bent on destroying our reality. Before long, Strange, armed with newly acquired magical powers, is forced to choose whether to return to his life of fortune and status or leave it all behind to defend the world as the most powerful sorcerer in existence this is one of the movies that has the widest range of opinions and feelings what number um, what number did it end yeah. up at where are we at in the ranking we are at 16 okay hella start us off with uh uh dr strange I had this at 20, actually. Um, so this is, 16 is quite high for my thoughts on this movie. Um, I think Lexington and I are <laughs> on all of these opinions. We're both like, fuck. Um, I land like right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I just I love like, this dynamic. Oh, I, oh, God. Okay, so Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> is a very one-dimensional actor in my opinion um he plays the same role in pretty much everything that he does um he's this sort of serious like takes himself too seriously moment even in sherlock okay like i love him in sherlock i think he's very good in sherlock he, he doesn't he does not have range and that i would like for him to have in my opinion and in this movie he's not likable like, I don't like him from start to finish. I am not I am not about this character. I like him more as the MCU has progressed. I liked him, sort of his integrations into Infinity War and obviously like that whole moment. But I think in this movie as a standalone, 
he was just kind of an asshole through and through. And then, you know, I'm more and more getting intrigued by the magical side of, of Marvel, but this was the first interaction that we had with that. And I think it was sloppy um, and it could have been done better. I don't think it was terrible, but I think like there could have been a better ease into this and sprinkled it in other films up to Doctor Strange because there's a ton in the comics that you could pull from and they are starting to do. But I feel like we just got like an all out front on like magical realms and things that you didn't even know existed in Marvel. And you're just like, um, wait, is this Marvel or is this like, are we talking about wizards? Like what, you know, and like for someone who is not super, super heavy into the comics, I will admit that up front. Um, it's hard to go from superhero, 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 boom, 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 wizards. And you're like, okay, all right, well, I guess I can get on board with this, but it just, I don't think it was executed that well. So didn't like him as a character. Um, the story was fine. I love, uh, help me out, Carnage. The, I'm so bad with names, as you know, but the ball bitch. Tilda oh, Swinton. Swinton. Yeah, Swinton. Oh boy. That's, that's she's an icon and she deserves well i know i know there was the whole i know yes i yeah i have read yeah listen we said we prefaced this by saying marvel is not not absent from its problematic ways but i still think she's a good actress um and and i think that I'm, i think I'm, her agent should be fired for accepting this role but yeah 100 yeah but i do think like that aside she does she does give a good like She's the emotion. She's a she's a wise woman. Yes. Yes. Or creature. I don't necessarily know if she <laughs> identifies as a gender. What are you saying about bump? <laughs> um, all right, that's all I have. All right, Lexington, you um you can reveal where you put this. Um, but you are a fan of Doctor Strange. I am too. I put it at number three. <laughs> yes, Lexington. Work. No. Work. That's so that's this real up there for me. I think Benedict's an amazing actor. He can speak like in the literal convincing, like six different accents, like very, very convincingly. He I think has a very wide range. I think he was very convincing in the movie. I uh <laughs> literally everything you said the same office. <laughs> Like I, I love this. Time. I like being like a perfectionist doctor. Like he's, I'm always, everything can like crash again. He's like so frustrated. He had to be like built back up. Obviously, I, I wish I love Tilda as an actress. Wish it was someone else, but like I do love her. I yes. think she's an amazing actress. Um, um, I like that we were seeing a, a magical world instead of just like uh, an alien world. <laughs> I just like I thought the whole movie was like kind of spectacular, but that's you know just me. <laughs> All right, Heidi, how do you feel? Uh, I put it at ten. Is where I have Doctor Strange. I I love the use of magic. I mean, as somebody who like plays D and D, I think that there is there's a bunch of different sources of why people are cool and how they can get their powers. And so it's really interesting to level this in. And I love the way that they cast magic, where they like, spin and make these like discs and symbols, and like that's really cool for me. Uh, I think it's very, it's got like this Kill Bill aspect where they like break him down and build him up, and you know I love that. Um, <clears throat> 
Also, I, I think I agree across the board with everyone. Tilda Swinton should not be in the film. She does a great job in it, but she shouldn't be there. I think I like her use in Endgame better. Uh, she's just there for like five minutes. And uh, I, okay. So the end is a little like, uh it's like oh i love the ending with oh, do the you? yeah I think i'm it's the best part of the movie i think it tur- it's so fantastic sorry okay i feel like it's like they got like it was so climactic they got to an end and they're like we gotta stop this guys like we have to finish the <laughs> film everyone like we have to i have to have an ending and the end in true benedict cumberfetch and dr strange fashion he like finds a loophole that's like super funny and convenient um so yes okay maybe it's super awesome i feel like it was it just happened all at once um and i but i do Be think careful that, about snapping on the podcast we might disappear <laughs> oh half of us are gone as <laughs> as somebody who like always grew up with the x-men it was like there was a ranking of strength right like you know you're you've got beast and then maybe colossus could take him down and then like you've got rogue she's like super fucking powerful and then of course dr strange could come in and do something that nobody else could do so i've always felt like he has this level of power that's beyond everybody else's and i like seeing a whole movie dedicated to why that might be because no one else he is truly magical magic exists and that's a thing and i think he's an example of like a smart character who is like actually smart and doesn't do stupid things yes and he's desperate too he's like and drive which you know (laughs) yes don't text and drive or drink and drive or you know i do want to be clear that i like magic in the mcu but if we're strictly looking at this without anything other than the marvel cinematic universe this intro into magic in this world that they had built up to that point felt disjointed for me okay i get you there i can agree that's all i'm saying and in, in it also technically will come after when it's released after uh, Civil War. So you got something super high and then this. Oh, um, right. Carnage, how do you feel about the doc? Well, I was excited because, well, I was excited when this movie was coming out because this is a area of Marvel that they haven't explored yet. And I was interested to see the the visuals of this movie more than anything else i really didn't care about dr strange's character or anybody else in this universe um and unfortunately that what ended up happening is what i thought what was going to flop which would be the characters and the story the one thing i was banking on also did not impress me i don't think these visuals are freaky enough uh compared to what i've seen in dr strange comics uh and i think the reason why they did that is because they didn't think that general audiences were ready for that type of weird shit because they didn't want to scare people. I'm fucking tired of seeing this fucking, oh, my fingers have hands. And then those fingers on those hands have fingers. I'm tired of that shit. It's not disturbing. Stop it. I don't like Dr. Strange's character. Uh, I think he works better when other people in the MCU are playing off of him. So I don't think he can carry a movie. We'll see what happens in the second one. The Tilda Swinton thing. Uh, The reason why this movie ranks higher than Thor for me, because Doctor Strange is my number 18, is because Tilda Swinton is in it. I think Tilda Swinton is perfectly cast in everything that she is in. No, should she be in this movie? Eh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so, but I can't picture anybody else in this role. I really can't. And we all motherfuckers need to stop. People need to fucking stop when they're like, Tilda Swinton is playing this character who should be Asian. It's like, y'all motherfuckers didn't even know who this character was before this movie was announced. Shut the fuck up. Um, Dormammu, could be cool because I like like big uh, like celestial like magical floaty head beings 
and he's so disappointing as a character. I think the way that they defeat him is really cool because I like when people like sort of make deals with the devil. I like that sort of thing. But he himself, I wish he would have had more of a presence in the movie as opposed to the main villain that we got, who I cannot tell you who his name is. I just know that he was in Rogue One and I know his name in that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like how they explain magic in this movie that Doctor Strange does not have magic. He doesn't have magic. He just other beings, other entities from other dimensions allow him to use their magic. And he's just channeling it through himself. I like that because that's how it is in the comics. And so I like how they explain that. And uh, the uh, entire journey of him uh, just getting his ass beat throughout the entire... Him being <laughs> him being beat up in the alley is like one of the most satisfying things to me in all the MCU because I think he's an asshole. And just seeing him just be like getting the beat out of him and we're going to take your watch. I love that. Uh, and... Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to what introducing the magical side of Marvel. I'm, I'm excited to see what that brings in the future. In terms of this movie, it's not, I, I was underwhelmed. Zach. Right. Um, so I actually had this exactly where it fell in this ranking. It was number 16 for me, like kind of smack dab towards the middle. Um, I feel like I feel like everyone else kind of summed up a lot of my thoughts on it. It's like, it's fine. Like it kind of works as a movie. I kind of feel like Strange as a character, at least in the way that he's portrayed in the MCU, feels like he's um, Tony Stark light. Like it feels like it's like a less, like the same character archetype, like the asshole, really smart, like- He's the bodega store version of Tony Stark. triggering Lexington, please. You know, and I just, I like, it's just, it just doesn't work for me. And, 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 you know, I will give credit. Maybe part of that is because he had a solo movie and then he's very much played a supporting roles in a role in all of the films he's come in since. So maybe my thoughts on his character will, will change once we get his sequel. Um, I just don't find him super interesting. I find the, I, I, I like the visuals, not in terms of like the, how like fucked up and weird and scary they are, but I just think the actual, like the VFX work and the effects of it are really visually interesting. And I'm excited to see a director who is more tapped into like horror films and has a much more interesting and distinct visual palette like Sam Raimi. I'm very excited to see like what he will do with the character and with the the comic, like the, the kind of world that Strange occupies in general. Um, I just kind of felt like it was it was a little forgettable it's like, it's, there's nothing offensive about it aside from maybe Tilda Swinton's ca- casting, but even like Tilda Swinton is like g- g- good in the movie. So like, I can't even complain in that. It's not like she was miscast in that regard. She just never should have even been offered it. Um, I feel like actually what's interesting is it kind of ties into the same thing that they were doing with the Mandarin, where like at the time Marvel was realizing we have all these problematic characters that we don't really know what to do with. And so instead of like engaging with the characters on their own merit, we're going to like try and make them like we realize that they're racially insensitive and slightly you know have like very problematic racist histories and so instead of dealing with that head-on and trying to make the character actually interesting we're going to subvert that by making them not Asian. you know it's just like kind of a really a cop-out and i'm glad that we're past that and i'm glad that we're actually getting like actual mandalorian i mean actual um uh mandarin in uh, Shang-Chi and I'm glad that we're kind of like past that point in Marvel's history I will say I fucking love the Dormammu fight 
I think that it is so ingenious that it feels like we're building up to this huge climactic, like he's going to use magic and blast Ramamu into another dimension. And I just think the subversion of that and especially like knowing where it is in the MCU that we've seen so many big climactic battles against huge superhuman forces. And the fact that it's literally just like a deal, like a dialogue scene. I just think that worked so, so, so well for the film. Y'all forgot Rachel McAdams is in this movie too. Wow. Yeah, that's a problem because we forgot that Rachel McAdams no, no, this I movie. Exactly. I didn't forget. <laughs> hey, is no, she I, his like, wife or something? I forgot. No, she's the doctor. The she's the other doctor. They're friends, but they have a romance, but it's not a romance. They're it's doctors, it's very yeah. convoluted. I mean, Benjamin Bratt's in this movie and he's a pivotal role, but he barely is utilized. Um, I Yeah, I, as I said before, I think... Um, Stephen Strange is the bodega version of uh, Tony Stark. He's just not as funny. He's not as charming. There's nothing exciting about him for me. Um, and and I as someone who's not I the it. world, I here, yeah. but I, I, as someone who's not like into really the world of magic and um, uh, wizardry and sorcery as much, Boo. the storytelling was a little harder <laughs> for me to follow along with. Um, just because I didn't have that connection as well. But again, as everyone has mentioned, the more we see of Doctor Strange within the context of the Avengers, you have grown appreciation for him. This is not the best origin movie, in my opinion. Well, I think he's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I like when it's raining. We had all of these great movies that were like sequels and really interesting and we had Civil War and we had all this stuff. And then it was like, oh, and a Here's new guy. Another origin movie. Like, I feel like at this point, like the 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 first movies in phase three that deal with it not as an origin film, but feel like it's it's almost like a sequel. Like I think that like Homecoming works so well because it's not like it doesn't feel like they have to rehash the origin story. It just kind of plops him into his own story. Yeah. And I feel like we're just past the point of that in the MCU where we really need these like origin story films. They really feel like they're from phase one at this point. Yeah, but there hasn't what? been two different versions of Doctor Strange played by like 17. Exactly. Different. Yeah. Like you didn't have to rehash Spider-Man. Well, the same way they did Black Panther. It. Black Panther isn't an origin film. They drop him into a previous film and then it yes. comes into its own story. I appreciated that as well. Is They drop him in Civil War? Yeah. I mean, same, th- yeah. same thing with Spider-Man. Yeah. I think also if you do that every single time, it's like well, some people just got to come out of nowhere sometimes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. Well, Lexington, congratulations. You are the president of the Cumberbunch. <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right, number fifteen. Catwoman is making an appearance. It's Michelle Pfeiffer's debut oh, okay. in like, Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, in the aftermath of Captain America: Civil War, Scott Lang grapples with the consequences of his choice as both a superhero and a father. As he struggles to rebalance his home life with his responsibilities as Ant-Man, he's confronted by Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym with an urgent new mission. Scott must once again put on the suit and learn to fight alongside the Wasp as the team works together to uncover secrets from their past. Lexington, you are the highest. Talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm just thinking, my 20 has still not been talked about, and I'm just thinking y'all are going to hate me. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I can't yeah. wait to find out what it was. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is my number eight. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, it's a few higher than the Red First Ant-Man. I really enjoyed it. Um, the Wasp is also one of my favorite characters in the MCU. 
Um, I think she's clever. She's like a, a, a smarter version of Ant-Man, which is always, you know, necessary. And a woman, which we love. Um, and I also really enjoy the villain. Like, the ghost is great. I think it's like... Ghost is a great villain. Storyline. Like, I, I think it's just like a good movie. And obviously, I love like, the comedy of Ant-Man. I think that was still brought into it. Um, yeah, I don't have anything like, really bad to say about it other than... All right, Heidi. Heidi. Uh, I'm such a big fan of Lost that anytime Evangeline Lilly shows up on any screen, I'm like, yes, okay. And I don't know why I scored it too below the regular original Ant-Man. I think I would swap them now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, I said because of time travel. Yeah, in the end, I'm like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer was so small that she lived for like so many decades just fighting giant dinosaurs down there on a microscopic level. Like you, yeah, I want Michelle Pfeiffer to be still alive so badly that I was okay with it. You know, I was like, I really want her to be the original Wasp and come back. And she did, and that was the end of the movie. So, you know, like, I don't know. It, it was like a slightly anticlimactic to me, maybe in a way. Um, but I think I would give it. I would give both Ant Man and Ant Man the Wasp a rewatch anytime because I think that they're fast paced and enjoyable. Um, and I absolutely love the way that they play with the Wasp. I mean, she has wings. She's cooler. Mm, we love. I do also love. feel like they, anything in Phase Three or like further on is like almost like better movie because it's what's like because it's like getting ready for the next movie or getting ready for like what we know is big climax yeah Yeah, so it's like it's almost they're all kind of anticlimactic because it's like we're getting there it's like oh but here's what you're waiting for exactly (laughs) you know it's setting us up and it's setting us up with the concepts to really solidify what they want to do later so like i i i applaud them for keeping that through line of planting seeds earlier on to follow through with later Carnage, what do you feel about the sequel to Ant-Man? So this is actually my number 17, and I ranked it, and Ant-Man is my 16. I ranked it below the first movie. Um, and I had a hard time figuring out which one I like better, and I ultimately decided that because Peggy is in the first one, that she gets to be above Michelle Pfeiffer. And I love Michelle Pfeiffer, and she, to me, is the definitive Catwoman. But the issue is, is that um, she is barely in the movie. And I still don't know anything about Janet maybe we will in the third movie uh she's just she's not michelle pfeiffer just solely being in the movie does not carry the (laughs) carry it past the first one for me unfortunately uh time travel does not bother me um unless it's it's, not even really time travel it's a different it's not really we find out we find out that it is time travel yeah uh, exactly uh, same but same reason all the same reasons why i like the first ant-man i like i like ant-man 2 because of that and i like like the weird issue that people had with like zombie land 2 they're like it's just the same movie it's like well the first movie was great so like why is that an issue same thing here it's it's like they're like interchangeable to me i had a hard time like again like i had a hard time ranking them like one above the other but uh like on a on a maybe on another given day like it'd be like above the first one the the shrinking and the growing that they do in this movie is actually really clever in terms of what they can do with it in action sequences. I really they're probably like the most creative fight scenes that I've seen in the MCU just because of the different like type of fighting that we're doing. Uh, uh, I do this thing, and Hella knows this. I just write down lines from movies and TV shows in a giant notebook, and so there's one from this movie that's in that notebook. 
Where is Scott Lang? I told you, he's in a difficult place, emotionally speaking. Where is Scott Lang, literally speaking? <laughs> Ghost is a character I don't give a shit about. Her story is really, really interesting. She herself is not interesting. And like, that's kind of my issue with a lot of these Marvel villains is that you can be interesting, but you are not written interestingly in terms of like dialogue, in terms of character. Um, so like, I wish I liked her and I don't because she is like, she has a cool power and she has a cool suit. Uh, but like, I can't tell you her name. And in their defense as Marvel villains, it kind of sucks to be built up just to be destroyed within that one film, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. like, you know, a lot of these, when they get a little bit more of a through line, we love them. And maybe that's why Ultron, like, stands so well amongst them all is because he was only there for the once, but he has such a lasting impact. Yeah, I agree with that. Zach, go ahead. What do you feel? Um, I kind of feel similarly to Carnage, actually, where I feel like to me, and I really bo like both Ant-Man movies, and I feel like they kind of are a little interchangeable to me in terms of my ranking, where like any given day, one is above the other. I would say I, I ranked the first one slightly above the second one, just because I think it's a slightly tighter film. I feel like Ant-Man Ant and the Wasp, it feels like it runs a little long to me. Like it feels like the third act ends like three different times. And it feels like, the plot of like the um, arms dealers that are going after them and trying to get the, the formula and find the briefcase and stuff like that feels like a tonally a very different movie from all the stuff with Ghost and trying to find Janet in the quantum realm. So it feels like they almost like don't totally mesh 100%, but I, I think it's really fun. I really enjoy it. Um, it's definitely one of those movies that I always am like, oh, I enjoy this a lot more than I really remembered I did. Um, I think Ghost is a really interesting villain. I think she's very sympathetic um, and I really like her powers. And I think that Lawrence Fishburne is really fun in it. And I'm excited to see Michelle Pfeiffer moving forward. So I, again, it's one of those where it's like, there's nothing offensive about the film. It's not one of my favorites. I really like it and I will always be up to watch it. Um, I just think that it's just not like one of the best of the MC movies. This just ekes out my top 10 and came in at number 11. Um, I do think that Ghost has a really interesting uh, backstory um, and that makes it a really engaging reason to want to care about a villain, which you don't necessarily always get to see in a Marvel movie. Um, obviously, Lawrence Fishburne is so underutilized in this movie because um, he really is the supporting character for her. But for me, what I really love is the relationship between Scott and Cassie and how beautiful that relationship is because the reality is Cassie Lang is going to be important moving forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yep. um, because the new Avengers, the young Avengers, whatever they're going to call them, she's going to be there. Um, and just that one line where she basically says she wants to be like her father, it's, it's that is the moment of setting up her storyline. Um, and I just love the, 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 the fun that Paul Rudd brings to this where he's trying to uh, stay in his, his own version of quarantine and still be able to be a hero. Um, Not uh, exactly. And again, Jimmy Woo, Jimmy Woo's in it. Uh, because he, he it's our first introduction to Randall Park's character, which we then get to see in uh, WandaVision, which is very exciting. Um, also, we didn't mention in the first one, but uh, T.I. is in these movies. So that's the thing that happened. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, I really like this because there, there is a lot, there is the humor and, and there is a lot of heart when it comes to the relationships between these characters, because this is a father daughter movie. You're getting to see both versions of the father daughter relationships and just how important they are um, to both versions of Ant-Man. Hella wrap us up on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, this is my 21, 21st, 21. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I watched this while I was stationed on a boat. <laughs> so it's like an airplane movie. So like take everything I say from this point forward on this movie with a grain of salt. But <laughs> I was to watch through, I, I think the most unfortunate part about this is its proximity to Endgame because yeah. it was less than a year before we got what we had been waiting for for a decade of our lives. And so for me, it was like, uh, just just get it. And, and then like when I explained it to my roommate, we didn't watch it because I wanted to show them Endgame. And I was like, all you need to know from this movie is the Wasp is this character and uh, Paul Rudd is trapped in the back of a van at the end. That's all you need to know. And we can watch Endgame without any like bumps in the road, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think like, that's not a knock on the fact that it's a fun movie. And again, I feel like aside from a few really dismal movies, a lot of these are just good. They're objectively good. Um, but I think for me, it didn't, it wasn't good enough on the first watch for me to be like, I need this. I need, if I'm going to do a watch through of the MCU, I need this on the list of the things that I'm going to for sure watch. Cause I think you can skip it and still get the same experience almost. Um, I think that, moving forward when we get more of this character that won't be the case and then i will need to have watched it more often than i did and i think i will and i will give it another shot i promise um but i think that's just where i'm at right now with it is i had it lower than ant-man because it just it just resonated less than i thought um, a lot of other ones did all right well let's move on to number 14. uh we're gonna journey into the 1990s for Captain Marvel, another oh. divisive movie here. Set in 1995, the story follows the journey of Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes. While a galactic war between two alien races reaches Earth, Danvers finds herself uh, and a small cadre of allies at the center of the maelstrom. Heidi Ho, um, I believe you are the highest on Captain Marvel. I knew, I knew it. <laughs> I knew everyone was going to hate on my girl. Um, I rank I, at 14. I had Ant-Man and the Wasp and I have Captain Marvel at seven. Um, I love the 90s. I think that it's a cute period piece in the middle when we haven't had a while. I had any for a while, I guess. Um, I think Brie Larson and the way she takes her press junkets is freaking badass because she takes down the patriarchy. And I think that she's a great representation for young women everywhere. Um, and I should have ranked this at 24 because uh, Captain Marvel doesn't even need to be here. We really just need a rogue origin story is actually what we need where she takes Miss Marvel's powers. And so I'm hoping for that coming down the line. Like I'm hoping maybe not Brie Larson to get zapped, but like another Miss Marvel-esque character so that we can have a rogue in the universe is really all that I care about. Um, but no, it's great to be see that kind of character who just flies and kicks ass and, um, and is, is everything I wanted to be as a little boy. 
up on the screen. And I don't know why people hate on it so much. I don't think it's that bad of a movie. I think that it reflects back on some of the OG stuff. Like we get to see Ben Pace's character again um, from Guardians of the Galaxy, which we haven't even talked about yet because those are so good, you know? Um, And yeah, I don't know. Why why do you guys hate it? I want to know. I think it's pretty good. you want to tell us why we dislike it? Well, I can't because this is my number 11. It almost broke my top 10. Yep. Again, I don't know what the fuss was. Okay, I know what the fuss was about. People didn't want the people didn't want fucking Brie Larson. And like, if it was like, if we're going to have a woman in our movie, it shouldn't be Brie Larson. Um, I don't think she was properly cast. I think, okay, I forget her name and I like feel so bad. But the woman who casts all these fucking Marvel movies, she's like the best in the game. I think she, yeah, I don't think she was there that day. Um, because, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think Brie Larson was cast Should properly. That being said, I don't, no. Who should it that have been? Okay. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I can't really, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I had a fan casting, but I don't really know what that is right now. Because I just see Brie Larson as Captain Marvel now, and like, that's just how it's going to be. Um, that being said, I don't hate her, and I don't think she's like, I don't think she's a bad actress or anything. I just think I, I I can't help but feel that there's someone else who's like right for this, who would have done like a who would have made this a knockout and people would have maybe have liked it better. I and so on things that had this on all the things that this movie had going against it, I hate the 90s. Um, and I don't give a shit about Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. I would much prefer Monica Rambeau because she came before Captain Marvel. She came before Carol Danvers. Uh, that being said, uh, we're getting uh, Monica very soon. Um, I went into this movie and I liked it. I liked it. I don't know why. I think it's just because I like seeing uh, what I really, really like actually is that because we've built up this world of all these different characters that we could pull from. We have heavy hitter characters and then we have characters who people like, but like they're in the background. I like seeing Nick Fury as a main character in this movie because um, I love Samuel L. Jackson. I think he he's, he's just cool. He's just cool, but he's also a dork. Him singing Mr. Postman at the end of the movie is like that lives rent free in my brain. And I never use that phrase, but I'm using it for that. Um, <laughs> and there's a cat in the movie. I don't even like cats, but I like this cat. Okay, it's not a cat, so that's why I like it. Um, I like, I, and I like that the um, what what I really like is that uh, we we do get to see uh, the a, a type of movie where it's not a fish out of water story, and it very easily could have been. But like this this woman had a life here, and I like that she's trying to find what her life was, and de, and d- despite her finding what her previous life is she's still kind of like she didn't like harp on it too much like she just she just sort of accepted that this is this is me right now and that's great and like that was part of the movie that she had to just like try to like accept that she is who she is and like that is what gives her power because she herself is powerful um I think that would have hit home with a better actress um and uh, another another cool thing uh seeing uh, Agent Coulson who I don't even like Agent Coulson I don't it's cool seeing him in this movie. I like seeing young Agent Coulson. I like seeing him being little rookie Agent Coulson and like looking yeah. out for Nick Fury. I really like that. The scrolls are awesome. Those are like my favorite things in this movie. I like the scrolls so much. I like shapeshifters. I love Mystique. Is that and Jessica so I like Chastain? Right? Jessica Chastain? No. Who is no. it? Jessica Chastain's in um, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, you're There's thinking some... of Dark Phoenix. Oh, oh, and it's Rebecca kind of Romain. similar. Yeah. Yeah, and Rebecca Romain. Yeah. yeah. I think okay. the scrolls are cool and I'm so excited for them in Secret Invasion. They might be in 
uh, the next Captain Marvel they might be in like you know they might be like show up in like all the things I can't wait to see like what they do the fact that they're not villains I really like that subversion really love that but like we kind of knew like we knew the Kree were a piece of shit so you know we kind of saw that coming uh, Talos as a character love him another like another crossover to like Rogue One and the MCU that guy um, and I'm excited that Captain Marvel has like sort of open the door for Miss Marvel, which uh, is coming out very soon. And I am very excited for Kamala Khan. I'm excited for the little 18 year old girl who plays her. She seems so excited. I'm super happy for her and excited nice. to see her in the next movie. You're excited to see her get her power sucked out of her by a bitch who gets white bangs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, um, you and I are pretty low on this movie. What, why? So I ranked this 21. Um, <laughs> Okay. Here, here's my issue with this film. I, I, the, I like Brie Larson a lot. I feel like it is very difficult to have the protagonist of your film be a super soldier from a culture that emphasizes on completely suppressing all emotions. I feel like it ends up being very difficult to relate to her as a character. And it ends up for the majority of the film, she's basically stone-faced the entire film. And I'm not saying that that's bad acting. I think that was a very purposeful choice on both the the actor's part and the writing. I just feel like it makes it a very hard film to watch because I can't, it just, she's not a character that I relate to. That's the kind of character that you have as like a major secondary character who's like the kind of badass heavy hitter. And then you have a more relatable character that is like the kind of the audience in. And I feel like this movie suffered by the fact that there really wasn't an audience in for the film. And I think that I think that Carol, like I'm really excited for the Marvels for the sequel because I think that Carol, in relationship to Monica and in relationship to Kamala, uh, Kamala are going to be really really interesting. And I think that dynamic is going to be great. But I feel like as a solo film, it didn't really make me care about the character at all. And I feel like that's really what I want when I come and see a solo film. And I just think the they set they didn't really set themselves up for success in that way. Um, the other thing that I will say, I love Sam Jackson in it. I love the nineties throwback stuff. I think this, like the shape shifting of the scrolls is really fun. I personally did not really care for the subversion twist that the scrolls aren't the villains, because I think that part of the like fun thing about the Kree and the scroll is that they're both fucking awful. Like they're both basically these like huge empire, like colonialist, imperialist, like going to conquer all of these galaxies and they're in constant, eternal, never-ending war with one another because they're both fucking awful. And that they constantly are creating groups of refugees because of this non-ending war. And I feel like by casting one of them as a refugee group and as like the hero, oh, yeah. like the secret heroes in the film, not only, I just feel like it's not as fun of a dynamic. And I feel like it's gonna be really hard when you have stuff coming down the line where you have secret invasion or you have stuff like that. It's just, I feel like it's good. They're gonna have to backtrack on it. And I feel like it wasn't a great introduction for like scrolls as characters, if that makes sense. I like the fact that there are some nice scrolls. Like I think the fact that there's like a refugee group of scrolls that Talos is a part of is fine. But I feel like the way that they framed it as like, the scrolls are secretly the good guys and the Krees are awful because they've made them refugees. Like they're both fucking awful. You know what I mean? Like they're, that's just, I, that's my, my personal opinion on it. As a child of the nineties, I love the nineties references, like the blockbuster moment. It's, it, it's cool to see those things. Um, 
I had a hard time watching the de-aging of Samuel L. Jackson personally. Um, it was just not easy for me to watch, but what was almost unbearable to watch was Jude Law. Like that was just, I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't watch him. He, I have this at number 22. This movie just, I could not resonate with. Um, again, you have these amazing actors like Jude Law and Annette Benning, and this is the product that they turned out. It just felt like they were fans who got put into a movie that they knew nothing about and tried to act their way through it. Um, and she's just very, very powerful. And we learned that she's very, very powerful. And yeah. I didn't care that she was the most powerful when it comes to the end game. Um, I wish it wasn't her, but that's just where I, I sit on Captain Marvel. And I, I'm optimistic that we will have a better Captain Marvel going down the line. Can we do a I quick will... debate, like for a second? Okay. Yeah. Most powerful Avenger, Wanda or Carol? I would love to see them fight. And I that is not misogynistic. I just want to see them fight. I would like it to be known that Michael is anti-feminist Ansel. because of his ranking for this, <laughs> this movie. Well, I'm just going to make my decision right now. solo film that is he- headlined by a woman. Not uh, the only not one. Not no, 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 we got one coming up still. What? Do we still have Black Widow. Oh, I still. you'll see when I, we get there. <laughs> I'm going to make my stance known that I think <laughs> when, when they say that Captain Marvel is the most powerful Avenger, I don't think that's true. I think it's Wanda because Wanda I has the agree. power. Yeah, because Wanda has the power of the uh, Mind Stone, which I think is stronger than the Space Stone. Hmm. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> what about, yeah. you know? The luck stone. That's not one of them. Okay, sorry. Continuing. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I could hear that. I, I think it's definitely a debate, and I, I, I do think that now after WandaVision, everyone will feel that Wanda is a much powerful, uh, the most powerful. But Hella, how do you feel about Captain Marvel? I'm gonna keep it short. I, I mean, like this is 16 for me. It, it's a good film. Um, you know, it's very middle of the pack in terms of how I felt. Um, I was a fan of the subversion just because I think it's the only film that actually, even though it's not accurate to who, like, like Zach was saying, it's the only one that duped you for half a second and made you think that something that was different. So it was, it was a bit of the uniqueness that made it fun for me, but I, I just don't relate well to Superman-esque characters. I don't, you know, and it has nothing to do with Brie Larson. It has nothing to do with, you know, any of that. It's just like, I struggle to identify with someone that can just blast through a ship by by moving. You know, yeah. that's yeah. That, that does not that does not hold true to just Captain Marvel. It, it anything that sort of creates this unrealistic. Not that these are anything realistic. What am I saying? But you know what I mean. Oh, I hear you. Like, what's the limit? Like, what's the limit? Limited. Her powers don't make sense because she has the power of the space stone. So, like, really, she should teleport, but she doesn't. So, if she's going to get her power from an infinity stone, it should be the power stone. So, I don't know why they. It did really that. should. I'm surprised yeah. it's not the power stone. Listen, middle of the Lexington, Lexington, I, wrap us up here. I had it high. I had it in number nine. I'm a fan, <laughs> big fan. Um, when I heard Brie Larson was getting cast, I was like, eee. but after seeing her in the movie, I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> like, it, it works for her. Like, it's almost like comforting for her to not be this like gorgeous woman she's pretty but she's like not this like gorgeous like sexy woman that's like not her or whatever 
You know what? I like Brie Larson. She's ugly. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Um, it makes it really like, like being almost like a girl next door where it's like, kind of like yeah. her, her personality too, where it's almost just like, uh, like not really like kind of stoic, but still just like, I feel like I, I know that girl, even though you, even though Zach was like, it's not relatable. I was like, I think I know her. Um, you want to follow her for an entire movie. <laughs> Is the you know, no, right. not even a whole night, but scary. She's mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. But also, I, I love uh, Gemma Shannon there. Um, yes. Cree. Um, I love the Cree callbacks from um, like Guardians and from um, um, Agents of Shield. Um, I just like that it was like, and I obviously love a all powerful. Like on contrary to me not liking people who don't have superpowers, I love someone who's all powerful. <laughs> so we just, that one just, I I just love that dynamic. The, the that. polar opposite. Yes. Like living like a fantasy world. <laughs> so it's, yeah. And I think for me, it's like I had such a traumatic religious upbringing that I'm like anything that's like God. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I was also raised really religious as well. <laughs> so I don't know how we got where we are. It's like, <laughs> well. Well, for number 13, you two are almost on the same page. Wow. Uh, we're, we are sticking with period pieces. At oh, number 13 no, is Captain America, the first okay. Avenger. Oh, I was wondering when we'd get to him. I left him in the dust Captain back there. America, the well, first Avenger. That was my Avenger. 13 too. Oh my God. Ah. So Captain America, the first Avenger focuses on the early days of the Marvel Universe when Steve Rogers volunteers to participate in an experimental program that turns him into the super soldier known as Captain America. Carnage, kick us off. This is my number three. Oh, um, yeah, I like Captain America. We're just—I'm just gonna just, just bookmark that for later. I love Captain America, and um, you know what? I don't—I don't—I don't know where that comes from because, um, well, I don't know where that initially came from because the thing is, I don't really like Goody Two Shoe um, characters all that much. Um, it's like I, I don't like Superman. Um, so th- this type of character on paper does not sound all that interesting to me. What I really, really liked about the movie and what the movie makes very, very clear is that Steve is the perfect human and they just make him really, really charming because uh, he's, a, he's a little skinny Steve is adorable. And I think similarly why I like Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman so much is that they they just like being good people. And they're, it, it's nice. That's nice sometimes uh, to have people like that. Um, and like Steve uh, as a character, like kind of some, like all of his catchphrases, like I'm just a kid from Brooklyn, I can do this all day. Those catchphrases kind of like encapsulate what, what his character is about. Um, and also what Stanley Tucci says in the movie is that a, a, a strong man will always abuse his power, but a weak man will appreciate it um, because he's always had to be on alert. And I think us as uh, queer people have always had to, you know, we're so, we know what <laughs> when we walk outside of our doors, what everyone else is supposed to do to us, right? So we are always on alert and we know what it means to be, you know, kind of in survival mode all the time. And people, we also as gay people have never, or queer people have had a hard time finding people who just automatically welcome us with open arms. So it's easy for us to find our own kind 
because no one is actively looking for us. I think water seeks its own level. And I know Steve himself is not a queer character, but I think he can be very queer minded. Um, and that's why I relate to him a lot, just because of like the, just the type of person that he is and the type of struggle that they um, show that he goes throughout, throughout this movie. Um, so Steve, just as a character carries this movie a lot for me i love the 40s i love like that aesthetic um and i love how in uh later movies he kind of points out what's wrong with the 40s <laughs> and it so peggy carter being my favorite mcu character uh kind of solidified herself in this movie right away uh just because i don't know Haley atwell is just an amazing actress and i like her uh she's just very likable and peggy carter herself is also very uh likable and I like their relationship. I like that she starts falling for him even while he's skinny. Um, and uh, I'm excited for What If to see what she does in, in, in that show. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like, I don't give a shit about Bucky. I still kind of don't. I like him better Same. Like, after, Same. After, after Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But like, I don't, I, I, I didn't like him initially. I didn't get the Bucky hype. I honestly didn't. Um, I like, but again, I like their relationship. They seem like best friends. Uh, like they seem like they've known each other for years. They're like brothers. Like they, I'm sure like they slept over each other's houses and stuff. And like, I'm sure. <laughs> and I just imagine Steve having to sleep on the couch and their couch is like this big and he can fit on it. Um, and uh, the, 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 this movie being like in the uh, earlier uh being in the earlier stages of Marvel, uh, there it does have a lot of like that early Marvel problems where like they they do set up a lot of things that I don't think like that that, that were like comic accurate things, but they didn't really pay off uh, that much uh, later on. Like the Red Skull, like who the fuck is he? Like I don't know. I still don't understand like what his deal is in Infinity War. I don't know what that's about. Why did they do that? I don't know. Um, but Red Skull, not that interesting. But he looks cool. Um, and the and th this movie um, has like one of the most sad like tragic like for me tearjerker endings this is when i cry in marvel is like whenever like whenever like um steve and Peggy are apart okay so like you know how like we never have to see like uncle ben die we never have to see batman's parents get shot ever again i never need to see cap and peggy be separated again like that's the, that's the, that's my tearjerker and so uh the ending of this movie i i i, I cry every time it, without fail uh and it's <laughs> <laughs> and then the ending but then the ending ending of the movie the after credits thing i think is like i think is so cool that he wakes up in this uh like 40s ish room but he automatically he already knows that it's not the 40s just like and by by subtle things just because like i'm a fashion historian i can tell like the woman that comes into the room and he's looking at her he can tell that she's she's not dress period accurately it's so cool like his, his the way his mind works is like really cool and then he just busts out of this room and it's like oh my god i'm in the future oh there's a coca-cola sign i think it's cool it's like so mind fucky to me even though i knew that was going to happen it was just a really cool scene to me i love captain america and i really like this movie but um in terms of uh the in terms of how it ranks of the uh, other two it is middle of the pack for me um and i'm spoiler alert it's above Civil War again because Peggy's in it. Zach, go ahead. I really like this movie a lot. I ranked it at 13. Um, I don't even know if that's totally fair because I every time I watch this movie, I'm so charmed by it. I just feel like that's almost one of the reasons that it ranks a little lower, is it just feels very, I don't know if quaint is the right word, but it's like it's a really, really well done period war drama Marvel film. It definitely feels like an early Marvel film. Um, and I think 
just like what Carnage was saying, like the thing that really sells it is like Steve Rogers is a fantastic character. Like Steve Rogers, like bar none is like one of the most interesting and like almost counterintuitive Marvel characters in terms of like what you think Captain America would represent versus who Steve Rogers actually is and what who, what he represents as an individual. I can see Lexington like making a face. <laughs> I, I really love Steve Rogers. And I think that this film sets him as an individual up really, really well. And I think it, it sets his heart and the fact that he is fundamentally a good person and the fact that fundamentally he wants justice in the world and he wants to do right by the world. And he's growing up in a time where good and evil were a very binary thing. And it was very easy to like do good in the world. And I think that they set up his character really, really well. And I think the payoff of later films where he's in a a different time period where that line is a little more blurred and things are a little bit more confusing and a little bit more chaotic and the good guys are bad guys and, you know, vice versa. I think that that payoff works really, really well because you're, you get such a sense of who that person is and the fact that he never really bends from that kind heartedness and that good heartedness and always kind of wanting to do the right thing, even though it's the hard thing. I just, I love that about him as a character. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a really great movie. It's really fun. I think that he is incredible incredible chemistry with Haley Atwell. I think that their dynamic works really, really well. Um, he also has really great chemistry with Sebastian Stan, which is why everyone chips both both couples. Like it's, it's totally understandable. I can see um, Hella sticking a tongue out. Uh, obviously we have some non-Sebastian Stan fans in this group and that's fine. Um, and I actually like Red School. Like I think Red School is a cool villain. Like visually he's really distinct and really interesting. I wish they did more with him. Um, Obviously, I know that, like, it's hard when you're talking about, like, a time-displaced war hero from World War II, and all of his villains then therefore have to be time-displaced, and I understand, like, there's a difference between, like, someone who's time-displaced from the 40s to the 60s versus someone who's time-displaced from the 40s to, like, 2008. Like, I really do understand that there's a huge difference. So I wish that we had seen more of Red Skull, and I wish that he had been, you know, utilizing in... uh, other films differently. Um, But I think it works really, really well as an origin story. And I think it's a really fun movie. And uh, I really love the other two Captain America movies. So this ranks pretty highly for me. This was my only top 10 entry to not make the top 10. This came in at number nine for me. Um, I think this is a beautiful uh, period piece. I have loved Chris Evans ever since Not Another Teen Movie. So I was very happy watching this movie. Um, And I think Hugo Weaving is incredible as a villain here. Uh, His Red Skull is great. Uh, He already is a scary looking person. So put a red mask on him. He's even scarier. But yeah, no, I I think um, it's a really fun, well-made period piece. And and yeah, this is our, uh, in the movie world, the most we're going to get of Peggy Carter. and, And Haley Atwell does an incredible job in this film. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll keep it at that. We, we've said a lot of, uh, my thoughts on Captain America First Avenger. Hella, got some opinions. <laughs> I have this at 18. Uh, I said 18 for me too. Yeah, you need to be careful. I, up, uh, up, you know, we can talk. About- oh, I know, love is quarrel. <laughs> Listen, a beautiful period piece. I fucking hate war movies. What, 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 is, what is this? 
What is this? I hate, listen, this period of our history is fucking terrible to be glorifying, in my opinion. I don't want, I'm, I also have a very unique opinion. I have, that's fair. I'm literally on the last 10 months of my active duty service that I've like been trying to get out of actively um, as I've come into my own self. Um, and I hate glorifying institutions like the military, which are inherently horrible and do horrible things to other countries, and et cetera. So I, the, in, the entire character of Captain America to me is best represented by the character Captain America we see in the new show, the new, the new Captain America that's a piece of shit and actually just wants to kill people. But anyway, I'll, I'll stay off that soapbox. But I just think like, I could not disagree more with Steve Rogers. I think he is one of the most boring characters in the entire MCU. Um, I watched that movie and I guess maybe it was because I was comparing to Thor, which is another like displacement film and i was so into that version of displacement and then this one i was like again i was like is the color broken on the tv and i know they did that on purpose because they were going back to the 40s i don't give a fuck it was annoying and can we just talk about for two seconds the horrific disgraceful cgi placement of steve rogers head on that poor twink's body <laughs> whoever whoever got cast as, as as the very probably homosexual twink that was like hey we don't want you to actually be in the film. We just want your like child body. Like, so sorry to that actor because it did not look believable whatsoever. And I was like, what fucking alien? Oh, that's Steve Rogers. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just like this movie to me lands really flat in terms of how I felt watching it. And again, I'm the feeler. I think with how I felt. And when I watched this the first time, I was just like, Ugh. and again, this happened again. It's timing, right? This happened right before Avengers, which we all were waiting for. And it was sort of like this moment of like, okay, yeah, we know Captain America is going to be in it, but like, let's just get to the thing that we want to see. Um, and so I think like, honestly, both movies that come right before two massive Avengers movies just did not hit me in a way that they hit other people. And that's totally fair. But uh, I think Steve Rogers does not get that much better throughout. I think he gets a little bit better, but especially in this movie, I'm just like, yeah, Ugh, boring snooze by. Lexington, you were done on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a <laughs> 20. <laughs> I had the real bottom down there. It was right above Iron Man's for me. Um, yeah, like one thing I don't ever need to see is a white twink getting muscles and saving the world. <laughs> That's just like not anything I need to see ever in my life. Um, and just like, we get that he's a good like a do-gooder and it's like that to me is just so unrelatable because no one in this world's like that it's always like there's always like some conflict which is, which is why i do think in later movies he does become slightly more believable um but in this movie i'm just like no like it, i do love peggy <laughs> love me some peggy but like as, as a whole i'm just like not this <laughs> please <laughs> heidi finish us off on cap um I, I, I myself, I'm also like not a big fan of war movies. My dad was in the Navy. So like I saw them all the time growing up. He, it's like the only movie he likes to watch. So I, they're not just not my, just don't strike me as my favorite. I do love the forties though. And I love everything about the music and the style. So I think that it's a, uh, it's like a catch 22 for me. And I think that I haven't seen it long enough to actually as a screenwriter have like, um, praised its accolades for actually it's it's a pretty well composed comprised script for being a period piece setting up 
a building block setting up the Avengers. I also think that everything Carnage was saying about how um, how there's Steve is such a champion and like there's so many so much queer coding for them comes a lot with the fact that it is Chris Evans who is our Captain America because I think as a person he is that he is that kind of hetero cis white male that is a champion for us all um and like he's pretty tongue-in-cheek and like one of our favorite allies and he gets to also be captain america and tell all of those people who don't see our point of view that they're wrong and he's the greatest superhero so they should shut the fuck up and i really appreciate that outside of the whole movie atmosphere i also don't love overly americana and patriotic things so that's why captain has never been one of my favorite um superheroes period uh but i think that that's part of why i really do appreciate his films and this was the lowest scoring of his films for me um is i actually got to i as an audience member learned a lot more as a comic book kid who knew a lot going in i actually still learned more about captain america uh that i that i didn't know because they explored a real side of his psyche that i didn't look at you know, like I, I was just seeing him in a costume, throwing a shield and, the, you know, assisting the Avengers and being the front man. And I've never liked main characters. I'm always like Wolverine is so fucking overrated. I just I cannot like you need to they're, always the women were more important to me um, or like the or like the side character uh, than the, the main guy. Yeah. Or the villains. Yeah. Um, so Captain America was a turnoff in that way. And I think that it's a big feat for him to have turned me around. And a lot of us skepticals like him for somebody who's in the, he's always gotten credit to have given like such a layered story and that he gets, I think he actually gets three very different films within his franchise, uh, which I guess you could say for Thor too, but not in a good way. Um, <laughs> that I think that that it, it's really great for his for his character and his arc. And yeah, it's 18 on my list, but I like it. And I think that Chris Evans is beautiful to stare at. And, yeah. but you know, but T, we don't need, you know, white twinks getting muscles and saving the world, I guess. Uh, I totally could agree with that. But I do like- Oops. Him. <laughs> right. You know, but, but at the same time, we can, you know, they, can they get, you know, muscles and save me? Just from like, you know, my own depression or just dramas on the street. Yeah. Can, can they save society? Can white twigs get muscles and fight cops on the street? Like that's actually what I need to happen. No, we haven't even gotten to the white twink yet. That's I, the oh god. Oh, I know we haven't gotten to him yet. <laughs> but I can't. All right. I knew he'd be really high on our rankings. All right. Let, let, when I jump in really quickly, I just want to say, like, in defense of Steve Rogers as a character. Um, just not to refute, I, I think all of that is very valid, but I think there's something really interesting and it's one of the reasons that I like Steve Rogers as a character is I think there is something really interesting, the dynamic between like what people see on the surface of like the guy and all of the patriotic paraphernalia with literally the shield, like the flag on his shield versus the interior of the man. And I think that the actually the difference there and the, the kind of contrast between something that kind of feels very jingoistic on the surface. And when you actually look a little bit deeper into the psyche of the character, kind of almost is more representative of like what the country, the ideal of the country should be and like the best parts of the country as opposed to those awful, like materialistic, militaristic, imperialistic tendencies. And I think that contrast and that internal conflict is very interesting for the character. And he is just a, a scrawny kid from Brooklyn, right? In the end. So he isn't what he's made to be. And that, you know. Yeah. Okay. But my, my rebuttal to that is the fact that this person, this character, 
operates on a very, I mean, and obviously, because this is a period piece, we've said it a thousand times, you know, the ideology of America back in that time was we are good, everyone else is bad. We are the best, you know, we are superior. It was, it's a superiority complex. And while I do see him as sort of the underdog rising, he still operates on this extremely rigid sense of morality that I struggle with. Only in this movie. Okay, that's fine. But, but what, yeah. Yeah. It is most strong in this movie. Most strong. Yeah, and that's, I think, why he's like lower for me in his movies. Is yes. because of that. I'm not saying that he does not evolve to some degree, but at, again, this is just like, it, I feel like I'm just like, I get sort of triggered in a very not threatening way by this character because this is who I was yeah. really growing up. And I mean, this is what, 13? So as, as a whole, our little queer group definitely cares more about this man, at least over Iron Man and Thor as a altogether. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, it's like not, <laughs> yeah, not all in agreement, but as, a, as an average out, he kind of hits middle ground because while polarizing, I think that there's always something about Steve Rogers that every American can see themselves in. Sure. Yeah. To some degree. Well, let, to some degree, let, something. Let, Let's go to number 12. Um, our first entry from phase four. It's the Chekhovian family drama, Black Widow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. We're at 12? Chekhovian. Yes, number 12. Okay. Natasha Chikovian. Romanoff, a.k.a. No, no, Chekhovian. Like, oh, Chekhov. Chekhov. There we go. Like the Russian um, playwright. Is she uh, even Natasha Russian? Natasha Romanoff. What? Is she even Russian? Yes. I thought she was yeah. Romanian. What, was, was she born in Europe? Or was she just taken there? We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. Okay. Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Persuaded by a force that will stop at nothing at, to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationship left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. All right, Zach, start with Black Widow. So this was my number eight. I saw this movie like what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I really fucking loved it. And honestly, I would have ranked it higher, but I was worried about recency bias. So I kind of actually bumped it a little bit down my ranking oh. um, to compensate for that. Um, I just, I really liked this movie and I actually really didn't expect to love it as much as I did going into it. Um, I kind of was like, eh, who really cares? Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, we don't like her. Like, you know, who really cares? And I, like, to me, it was, like, the huge surprise. Um, I thought it was extremely well-structured. I thought that I actually gave a shit about Natasha in this film, which is the first time that's happened since uh, Winter Soldier. I love, 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 love the family dynamic in the film. I think that all four central performances are really strong. Yes, Florence Pugh is, like, acting spades above Scarlett Johansson in the film, but I actually really like, like, I like, like, yes, I don't personally find Scarlett Johansson the most um, captivating actress. I actually find her range to be rather shallow um, and rather kind of um, one note, but I I liked her performance in this film and I thought it worked. Um, 
Florence Pugh, like above and beyond, cannot wait to see her moving forward. I think that she, like the pathos of the character, the um, the abandonment and the the hardness and the kind of like, I'm going to like, you know, break a bottle of beer and then drink it as opposed to taking the cap off type mentality. Like, I just feel like her as a character worked so, so well. And then to have that same dynamic with the parents where you had um, Rachel Weiss and David Harper and that whole dynamic, I, I, I loved the characters in the film. I thought their whole story and the way that it was told was really well done. I felt like the second act dragged a little bit. I didn't really need the rescue sequence in the prison. I felt like that was, to me, it kind of like lost a little bit of its tread and I kind of zoned out a little bit there. Um, but other than that, I mean, even some of the complaints that the film has gotten, like I've seen a lot of people complaining about Taskmaster, but like Taskmaster in the film isn't the antagonist. Like he's definitely set up as like the muscle that comes in and has a few cool fight scenes. And I think that he, he served his person. He ends up being she, but I think that like they end up serving their purpose really well for the film um, and actually works as to me, it felt like that like nameless, faceless, like I am basically like a robot automaton of a fighter and you like will not beat me. I thought that worked really, really well and worked as that kind of like muscle character. And honestly, I've seen a lot of complaints about the like head of the Red Room character. I found him like downright fucking terrifying and creepy. And I found him to be like a pinpoint combination of like Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein and Scott Rudin and one person. And that to me is like terrifying. And I thought I like literally was like, my skin was crawling in that last scene with him. Um, I thought this film worked really, really well. I, I really, really, really liked this movie. I had this at 17, so I was not the biggest fan of it. Um, <laughs> uh, as I said, like that dinner, the dinner scene, that it was Chekhov to me. It was like I was watching Chekhov and I am not a fan of Chekhov. Um, and I love Chekhov, so that makes sense. Yeah. So, and, and again, it was it was the accent thing. I was like, what is the inconsistency of the accents? You have their American accents at the beginning of the movie, and then all of a sudden they're back to, like, it, it drove well, they're nuts. spies. They were spies. They were, like, an underground, like, the Americans. It's like, again, they were it's code into... switching, you know? Like, yeah. they, they choose one accent, or maybe it wears off after a while, and you, when you're back around sure. your family. Yeah. I'm excited for Flor Florence Pugh, because she's going to be a much better Black Widow, uh, and, and I just don't think Scarlett Johansson was able to lead a hero movie. Um... Yeah, this just did not do much for me. Um, in, in, this falls kind of in the middle of uh, when you're watching chronologically. And I was, for a new movie in the MCU coming out in 2021, I think I expected a little more. And that was my biggest problem with it. Hella? Interesting. Um, I had it at 10. So very middle, I mean, upper middle, sorry. I was eating peanut butter crackers. Um, and they don't, they can't uh, like, they stay in your mouth. Um, yeah, they do stay. Fuck, like, oh my God. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a good movie and I'm biased because this is a movie that Jacob and I actually got to watch together in person the first time that we met. So, which was not that long ago um, in, in, in the flesh, but um yeah, I mean, I think, like, I love the dinner scene. Um, I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, I love this dysfunctional family moment. I think it's, like, dysfunctional family times 100. <laughs> like, I think it's beautiful, and it's written well. 
I'm a sucker for good writing, and I think the writing in this movie is very strong. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, I couldn't I couldn't bump it up to above some of the the just like classics that I really could rewatch at any day of the week. Um, but I think it rises above a lot of the other things that we've already discussed and things just because I feel like it is better done and it's going a, it's going a fresh direction. It had a fresh feel to it. It didn't feel like anything I had seen before. And this whole, and I, I know we're not talking about the shows, but the direction that they're going with this phase four is just so smart and it's so smartly written. And they really focused on the writing, which I think is good that's what they need to do because we can look back and go yikes 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 like teach star wars how to do this please like Mm -hmm. um i will say john favreau though i'm such a fan of him and his work in terms of like his just vision yeah that bleeds into both this and that but um, not this movie specifically but just the mcu but yeah so uh, 10 it's a good movie solid would rewatch 10 out of 10 very soon lexington yeah, I had it right at 12, so I was nail on the head there. Um, I think Florence did an amazing job. Um, I think it was, uh, I will say, I think it was a really good action movie. <laughs> um, I think it probably would have been higher had, you know, Black Widow actually had superpowers. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> and I think because of that, I also had, like, low expectations going in to watch it. <laughs> I was like, this is, what is this going to be? Um, but I thought it was, it was a really well-written movie. Um, love, love the little snippets of Red Guardian. Um, um, yeah, I, I also just love the fact that they have like the whole widows like being like a whole like women's society like similar to like uh, like what what are the Amazons called? The Amazons? Literally the Amazons. Yeah. <laughs> what the Amazons? <laughs> what are the Amazons called? That's what they're called. Um, like similar to like that feel where it's like, like a society of women, even though very different things. But like you know. <laughs> um, just like women being strong, I thought was really fun. Heidi, um, so you guys can crucify you, crucify me if you want, but I haven't seen it, so I put I'm it. I put it in at nineteen because I wanted it to be ranked higher than some of the movies I disliked because I knew I would like it, and yeah. then I was gonna wait and see what everyone said in a panel of people I trusted, and now I'm really excited to watch it based on what, <laughs> what everyone has said. Really, there you go. And I just haven't paid anything extra on Disney Plus yet. Like I put my foot down. I was like, I'm not paying extra. And now you can tell me you're like, you didn't have to, Heidi. It's for free. Oh, I definitely <laughs> home to California. My nephew had it on bootleg, and I was like, hey, I'm getting that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I I've been wishy washy with her as a character anyway, and I feel like mm-hmm. that's both with her and what they've given her throughout the franchise. Like, how do you make a sandwich when you've only been given three ingredients? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see a full plate. A, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yes! Oh, carnage. Work. That was a fantastic answer. Yeah, it was. That's tea, to the tea. Um, but what if those three ingredients are just lettuce, bacon, and mayo? No bread. <laughs> like You'll be real skinny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen it's it yet. So I tanked the rating uh, to try to talk about it earlier in the middle and put it at 19, but you guys uh, obviously all really enjoyed it, so I'm going to uh, take the you know, take the note. I, I helped watch you tank it, it. don't worry. It. No, you're, you're I know you, I'm Michael didn't like it. Two but... people trying to tank it, it's still... No, I didn't try to tank it. That the rest of us must have really liked it. I assumed that it was going to be bad, and I'm really excited to hear that the reviews are, are actually not at that at all. No one is saying that it's bad. 
Well, Carnage, wrap us up on Black Widow. This is my number nine. It broke my top 10. And I'm really happy that it did. Because um, like this movie was delayed so many times. I'm like, oh no, it's going to be shit. And it wasn't. Oh, I was so excited. Uh, but I will say though, it's that initially when uh, uh, I was, when it started, I immediately knew that this was something different. Um, and not bad. Uh, it just, I'm like, well, oh, this is, this is going to be something else. And uh, I don't really, I don't want to give away exactly like what, what that is, but I will say that this is the one Marvel movie that actually made me uncomfortable and uncomfortable in a good way where it made me think. And um, I think they, uh, they touch on uh, something, uh, a particular subject matter that I didn't think any superhero movie would ever do. But yeah. now that I think about it, they do touch on this subject actually in Cloak and Dagger, which is a show that I don't recommend, uh, but it has like one of my favorite Power Ranger actors in it. So I watched it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, think, I think this movie does it, does that subject matter better actually. Uh, but in terms of Natasha as a character, I actually really like her character. I like Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of her as a character. Just, I've, I've never been happy with what they've had her do in these movies uh, beyond Winter Soldier um, and maybe Civil War. Yeah, so I, I was really disappointed and I was, I was excited because I was hoping that this movie would finally be that thing where like, oh my God, yes, now people are going to love you. And I think from what I've heard people do, um, I haven't heard any like that since the movie. And some, but some, something that is a negative for me that came out of, not, not to this, not about this movie but like something that came as a result of this movie is that this movie further just makes me more upset that she died in endgame and i still and it kind of further proves my point that i don't think she should have um because initially that was not in the script we all know should have died yeah (laughs) uh the but in short, like her, her argument in Endgame was that like this is my one chance to do something good, but like this movie taking place before that is the one good thing she did. So like it just negates all of that. That being said, this movie is great, and um, what uh, I love about it is are, are like the weird family dynamics and how quickly um, each of those characters in that dysfunctional family fall so easily into the roles that they are supposed to be playing. Um, so I, and it's interesting to see like the, the actors in particular really are a really good job at like making that like switch. I really, really like that. Uh, as well as Taskmaster as a Taskmaster as a character is not a character that I really care about uh, in the comics, but I know who they are. And I will say this is a very, this is a departure, but I, I don't mind that. I actually really like what they did because it serves the purpose of what the themes of the movie are. And uh, the the real villain of this movie, I will say like, that is the one thing that the marketing didn't do well was advertising Taskmaster as like the main villain, but he's not, he's not. Um, and I will say the, um, the main villain is probably, I would say one of the better villains in Marvel, just being a regular dude. Um, like, just I mean like not a regular dude but like you know human uh, and he does have one of the what I think is like probably like one of the best like villain lines in all of Marvel where he says I am making use of the most abundant and wasteful natural resource of the earth and that is little girls like that's disturbing to me uh, so uh, a lot of 
things that made me think in this movie that I think was a really good thing. I had to like, you know, like really like stay up at night <laughs> and like think, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Do I like this? I do like this. I really do like it. That's why it's at number nine. It's in my top 10. I'm happy that it's there. I'm so glad that it doesn't suck. And I'm excited for Heidi to see it. I really want to watch it now. And also I'm biased because I'm biased because it was like kind of like a little bit lower, like two spots, but I bumped it up because I don't know. I gave it a rewatch and I actually really like, I really, really, really like it watching even the second time and even the third time. And then, uh, uh, Hella and I were in bed together when we watched it the first time. So there's that. Aww. Oh man, Heidi, I'll I'll hook you up. But we'll I'll get you to watch it uh, very soon. Don't worry. Okay, I'll, thank you. You'll I'm be like, good. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. I'm learning something. I, that's awesome. I love learning things. <laughs> Number uh, eleven is a bit of a interesting um, placement based on scoring. Number eleven is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Two years after the cataclysmic events in New York with the Avengers, Steve Rogers is quietly living in Washington, D.C. and trying to adjust to the modern world. But when a S.H.I.E.L.D. colleague comes under attack, Steve becomes embroiled in a web of intrigue and threatens to put the world at risk. Joining forces with the Black Widow, Captain America struggles to expose the ever-widening conspiracy while fighting off professional assassins sent to silence him at every turn. When the full scope of the villainous plot is revealed, Captain America and Black Widow enlist the help of a new ally, the Falcon. However, they soon find themselves up against an unexpected and formidable enemy, the Winter Soldier. I start this off and I just hated the plot so much. I cannot stand Bucky Barnes. I don't like Sebastian Stan as an actor. He is not for me. Um, so this movie just did not do much for me at all. I had it at 19. Get out, um, Michael. So Get out. I know there's there, there are two people who had it in their Ooh. top three. So I'm going to just yield the floor um, and pass it along to Hella. Yeah, no, I'm not a top three on this one. But uh, <laughs> I have this at 14, um, which again, I need to state, and I think we all agree on this, the middle of the pack does not mean it's bad. Are we on the same page here, Lexington? Yeah, 14. yeah, hundred percent. Oh, really? Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Got to meet in the middle somewhere, right? <laughs> Eventually. Just, just take this as a sign of the end times. Um, right. So <laughs> I like. I think I'm. It's hard for me to look back on these movies without the bias of watching the shows, right? Because because now that I've seen. Uh, Winter Falcon and Captain whatever, which is a horrible like, such a mountain. worst of the worst of the shows. Now that I've seen that, it's like I I I'm a Sebastian Stan, and uh, but but like up to that point, <laughs> up to that point, Winter Soldier. When I first watched it, I was just like, I, I agree. I think the the plot is not the best, and I what's cool to see Washington DC, especially now that I've lived here for a couple of years, but like, I think that they just leaned heavy on, they, I think they leaned a little too heavy on like, it's DC, cool stuff and the DHS or whatever, whatever it is, the, the DHS, the Homeland Secretary. And I don't know, I just like, I'm biased towards, I just don't want to see the inner workings of government. It's some sort of the, sort of the issue that I have with episode one of star wars like no one gives a fuck about the trade federation like why do you think people are interested in that right. you know it's like um i mean truly it was a it was a big issue but yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean 
it kind of started everything, but you know, we don't need to get in. We should have a Star Wars one too. But absolutely, uh, yes. We well, I, if you voted on uh, my uh, uh, Instagram, I'm debating what the next one is, and uh, Star Wars is. I last I checked was beating the DCEU, so just, it's an option still. Just have this group back. Thank God. Yeah, let's <laughs> bring us yeah. back to talk about Star Wars. Do <laughs> don't worry, Hi- Heidi. The Jurassic Park is a contender, also. Ooh, okay. Oh, have obviously. me on for that. Yeah. I need so, to be on that. My, my last my last thing on on Winter Soldier is I liked Steve Rogers a fraction of a of a split hair more from this. For sure, I feel like they moved his character in a direction that made me really buy into it, even after two movies. Um, but I really liked on a rewatch recently. I really liked the interaction between uh, uh, Falcon and and Captain America. I mean, the iconic scene of the, the on your left scene, you know, has produced some of the best memes. In, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the, you know, the most recent one I saw was like, it was like Steve Rogers was 2022, I think. Oh, the guy running past, running oh. past Sam, yeah. Yeah, Steve Rogers was like 2021 and like, he was like still processing 2020 and on the left, or the other way around. Left. So what Steve Rogers saying on the left was like, it's already August of 2021, I'm 2022, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we need therapy. So anyway, um, I, I, yeah, middle of the pack, 14, wash lexington you're at 14 also i also had at 14 i enjoyed the movie i again i like uh steve more in this movie um i think i had it i had it above i had it under civil war um i like the introduction of characters i think the most in this movie like i, I like that they brought in falcon i like that they brought in um sharon um was Really wanting a Sharon uh, Sharon Rogers moment. <laughs> Would love for her to be Captain America someday, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, um, I know it was really. Hoping. Is Sharon uh... Sharon Carter? But the blonde. Yeah, Carter. Sharon Rogers. She's, she's, she's stop invoking her name. You guys yeah. just stop. In other Earths. Yeah. Sharon Rogers. So I was really just hopeful that we we were going to get. I that. mean. Maybe Sharon Carter is going to be a Captain America. Not, not, not with the way nope. they're no, no. Oh yeah. no! You guys no. know a lot more than I do. Okay. Well, did you did you watch any of the Disney Plus shows? I didn't watch Captain uh, and Falcon. So the the reveal at the end of of Captain Falcon is that she's like the main antagonist of the series, and she's like oh, an underground, like kind of that. like no one knows who I am. Um, yes, like, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, love the introduction of her character. Um, it was kind of just like meh for me. I don't have anything like, necessarily bad to say about it, but like I like that they brought in new characters to distract her from Captain America. Heidi, it was fifteen for me, so it's sitting there in the same spot. Um, I'm, I mean, I am a Sebastian Stan Stan. Oh, I, I, I do love him. Yeah, the, the the things that that man could do to me would like. Be, like I mean, he played like a gay son of a former president in Political Animals, and like that was just like a, a sexual turn on in my brain for sure. Um, so I don't. I mean, I don't know what I can say about it that hasn't been said uh, from like. A, yeah, I don't have anything more analytical to say from it. I love Bucky, so you know, that's why I'm. I, that's why it's higher on my list than regular Captain America. Uh, I think that his arc is kind of cool. And that the, he's used as a pawn a lot is interesting. So, like, yeah, uh, I mean, it's great. Be- it has Emily from Revenge in it. 
<laughs> Michael said he didn't enjoy him, but I literally think he's way more interesting than Captain America. Like that's fair. Me personally, <laughs> he's the grittier friend for sure. Well, our, the, the next two speakers both had this movie at number two. Carnage, you're up first. Why is it number two for you? Number two. The reason why it's number two, again, like, well, the reasons why I said why I love Steve Rogers, because Steve Rogers is perfect human. Um, but also, like, this is this is a departure from his character in the first movie because a lot of what he goes through, and, like, I don't like Cap in the comics. He's a jingoistic asshole, and, like, it, 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 it's messy. I like what they do with him in the MCU because I actually he's actually likable to me. Um one of the reasons why I like Captain America as a moniker is finding out what each person who carries that moniker means for them to be Captain America and why I think Steve starts to make the shift in this movie that he doesn't actually want to represent America anymore. Um, he doesn't make that decision until, uh, you know, uh, civil war, but he starts it here. This is like kind of what yeah. plants the seeds of that. Um, and the fact that he does detest the gut, well, not, not the government or not even the military, but like the paramilitary organization that he works for. Cause he has that conversation with Peggy. And again, Peggy's in this movie, but not for not as long as she is in the first one. That's why this one is below that one. Um, or rather, no, actually it's, Oh, it's above that one. Sorry. Got the mixed up. Um, she, um, but seeing also, also seeing Peggy like with um, Alzheimer's is like heartbreaking to me again, more tear, more tears. Um, but, um, he, he's able to express to her and he only says this to her to nobody else really he maybe said it to Bucky like off screen but he said to Peggy he's like look I thought I knew what I was fighting for and now I don't especially now during this time I the world has changed so much or at the very least my perception of the world has changed so much and he says like I don't even like S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't like working for them but the reason why I'm working for them is because I found out that you started it um and and she has this wonderful conversation with him. And like one of the best, one of the lines that I love also from this movie is that she says the best thing, I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> the best thing to do for people like us is to start over. <laughs> um, I'm post myself. <laughs> and then she has an episode and then she forgets who he is. And then she's like excited that he's back in the room. Um, <laughs> Which is and so that, like, tragic, you know. Yeah, and and Peggy is like really a strong point for Steve. Like Peggy is Steve Rock, and so like a lot of like a lot of the type of person that he is, and like he was already a good person before. But like a lot of the morals and a lot of the values that he holds is because of Peggy. She taught him a lot of things. Um, and uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about happier things. Um, <laughs> I love I love Natasha in this movie. I think she's utilized well. I love their dynamic. I love their friendship. I love that they didn't do the thing. They didn't do the thing that I thought they were gonna do. Yes. But no, they're good friends, and I like that. Yes. Um, and um, I, I don't I don't love Sebastian Stan as like uh, an actor. I think he's fine. Like I don't hate him. I just think he's, I, he, I think he's whatever. Um, in this uh, role as the Winter Soldier, I, th- I think he's kind of cool. He's like cool and mysterious, and I like that. Um, I think he gets better in uh, the show. But again, didn't care about him that much but um what, one of the things that i do like about steve also as a character is that he's always trying to cling to like the past and like people that he knew before and like most of them are gone and like now that this new person in his life is like all of a sudden back like an old person old friend but like not the friend that he knew um i think that's an interesting dynamic the new friendship he has with sam i love so much better than him and uh, bucky i like um him and bucky's relationship in uh the first avenger but i love him and sam's relationship like in all the scenes that they're in. I just think they have great chemistry. They seem like like good buddy buddies. Um, I love that he has a notebook filled with like pop culture references that he refers to that he, and he's, he's watched Star Wars because that's like the first thing that crossed off on his list. I love that. Um, and the, 
the idea that Hydra has been infiltrated or Hydra has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. since the beginning, I actually really like that twist. I think it's one of the best twists in uh, the MCU because uh, I think Hydra, Hydra has an organization I think is like, they haven't done with anything with it like as of late, but I like Hydra as an organization. I just think it's kind of cool. Just, I, I like secret organizations like that. And they really get into it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like the origins of Hydra and like how it's actually much older than we actually think it is. I think that's really cool. This movie is very enhanced by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is also very enhanced by this movie. Um, so maybe because, maybe I'm biased also because of that, just because like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just kind of like puts more, puts more like flavor to the movies. And I really, really is like that. Is Sharon Carter in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at all? She is not, thank God. I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> Just Peggy. Zach, call all right. us out on this um, one. This was also my number two. I love this movie. Um, I just think it's a really, really well done film. I think it works incredibly well as a spy thriller. Um, I think it's incredibly tense. I think the tension works really, really well. I think Steve's character arc of like, basically unlearning all of the things he thought he knew about his country and like trying to find his center and trying to like decide where his loyalties lie now that this country has shifted so much from underneath him. And I think it like takes the fish out of water thing that Thor does in a comedic way. And I think it does it in a dramatic way really, really successfully. I love um, the use of Natasha in this film. I think it's Honestly, I actually like her character, even though I loved Black Widow, I like her character more in this film than I even did in Black Widow. I think it is the best use of her character. Um, I think that I love his friendship with Sam. I love that dynamic. I love the introduction of Sam. I think Sam is a great character. And I think like the way that he's introduced in the film is really well done. I think that Alexander Pierce as a villain, even though he's not like a name villain and he's not like someone you would think of as like a big villain. I think that the character is very, very well done. And I think that the performance, like I think that uh, what's his face gives a really, really fantastic performance in the film. Um, I just, I really like it. And also I think it has two of the best um, fight scenes in the entire MCU. I think that um, really iconic elevator scene where he like, they're all coming after him and he knocks them all out. And then I also think that the, fight scene over the bridge and under the bridge with Winter Soldier the first time that he unveiled, like he takes the mask off and he sees that it's Bucky. I think that's probably my favorite fight scene in the entire MCU. Um, I just think the choreography there is brutal and it's really kind of veers the closest to like maybe some of like the daredevil fights in terms of like just the brutality of the combat. And it feels like less superhero to me and more like really kind of dark, tense spy thriller. I just, I think the movie really just like fires on all cylinders and just really succeeds. And that was part one. Check back soon for the final 10. The biggest thanks to my panel for coming on. Like what they said, follow them and tip them. Carnage at Carnage DiCarlo on Instagram and Venmo. Heidi at Heidi the Ho on Instagram and Venmo. Hella at Hell of a Time on Instagram and Hella666 on Venmo. Lexington at Lexington Banks on Instagram and Venmo. Zach at The Flickster on Instagram. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.